What's good, y'all? It's your boy Joe. Welcome back to. It's been a minute. Yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, how y'all been? How y'all been? Y'all doing good? I mean, I hope everything's going well with you listening right now. You are an amazing person. Just remember that you are awesome. Even if you don't believe it, even if I don't believe it, it's just still it's true. <laughs> it's true. If nobody believes it, just know it's true. No, I'm just I'm. I'm really tired right now, man. I'm, I've been working a lot. I've been freaking trying to get back out to do mics. I've been trying to find a new motivation in life to push me through because I'm almost 30 years old, man. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. My body's not the same as it used to be before. Specifically weight. You know, I haven't, I haven't lost any weight. And it's like, it's, it's a gradual things for sure, but like, it's slowly, but surely. And like, I can feel it in my body, man. I feel, I feel old as shit. And I know 10 years from now, I'm going to feel even older than this. And it's going to be like, well, what the fuck is going on? It's just like, that's life, baby boy. That's life. You got to deal with it. You swimming, swimming in the sea of life, man. You need a life vest Well, you can't afford it. Bam. Death. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this happens like that. I don't know, man. I feel I feel good. I I got my uh, my upcoming guest for this episode is uh, Jamie Rowan. Now, Jamie's Jamie's a great person. I love her a lot. She's awesome. And I first met her a couple years ago when she first started comedy at Ruds. And some people you see in life, you're just like. You ask yourself, like, why are they doing this? And it's just like, I, I always wondered that. I always wondered why she was doing this and what her motivation was and why she, why comedy, you know? And I, I got to talk to her. I got to talk to her. I got to to get inside her head a little bit. And I was very, 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 very surprised with what happened, you know? it was It was a great great conversation and i was very happy to be a part of it uh one thing did happen though like uh some plumbers like had to unclog my tub like the week a couple days before that and then i guess they left the door open so there were like flies running around everywhere and i just felt so embarrassed man i was like so goddamn embarrassed i was like why is this happening because i i here's the i wanted to feel I wanted to make her feel comfortable for first and foremost. And I also wanted myself to be comfortable and I was not comfortable because I felt, I guess I projected that onto her. I was just like, oh, okay, she sees flies. She's not comfortable. So now I'm not comfortable. You know, and we talked about it. We talked about it. We made jokes about it. And it, it's all about comfortability. This episode is about comfortability. I think I think that that is what it is. How, how are you comfortable with yourself, with other people? Like I, I, I mentioned this. Like like when she first walked in, it's, she just walked to the couch and sat down. She already felt comfortable, and I was happy because I that she felt that way, and I, I gave her that like, hey, just just come in. Just this is your house too, because I I try to do that with every one of my guests. I'm just like, hey, come in. This is your house too. Like we're I know we don't talk that much, we don't hang out that much, but we are friends. Like the reason why I have you on the podcast is because I like talking to you. <laughs> like 
I don't, I don't, I don't like to get pressured by people. I don't like, I don't like people going, hey, can I be on the podcast? Can I be on it? Can I be? I'm, I'm good too. It's like, nah, let's have a conversation first. Let's have a good time. And if I feel like I'm interested in who you are and and what you're saying and and where the conversation is going, then I'll get the idea of like, hey, maybe I could have this person on the podcast. But like, don't. Just be like, hey, I'm I'm funny. I can be doing this. It's like, nah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Truly and honestly, I don't give a fuck, man. I'm tired. I'm tired of this shit, man. But going back to my next guest, she's uh, she works really hard. She's really funny. She's a great person, and uh, I, 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 this conversation is really good. So, but I, you're already gonna figure that out. So, uh. Let's start the show. All right. I'm not that comic that's like an Enrique that's like, what's up? You know, loud. So I mean, you don't have to be. I know. Sometimes I feel like I need to, and that's like another thing I've learned over time is I feel like just you just gotta be yourself. I, I okay. So what's the hardest part about being yourself is accepting the fact that you're in front of a group of strangers that never met you before, and understanding that you're here to make them laugh. You're not really there to talk about yourself or show them who you really are. That's that's the biggest thing that I've learned. Well, I think you can do both. You can do both, but most people stick towards the They prioritize that over that. Yeah. Showing them being authentic and being real and being themselves more than hey, we're at a show, you're entertaining these people, you're telling well, jokes. No one's paying to go out or like paying, especially if you're like you know, they get a babysitter, they come all the way out there and you're lecturing them or making them feel bad. The whole goal is to make them have a good a good time. I think the main thing is to be funny above all else but i do think that the really solid comics can be funny and personal and you know deep and dark but that's why i was saying with your dark material like do you feel like you can tell share that dark stuff about yourself and still not get the awes and i feel like i have jokes that are dark that i can do that with and it's usually the shit that i'm like truly over it Uh but the mom stuff i'm not over it yet so I'm like, I'm not at a place where even if I have a silly punchline, I still have this like, I'm still like, uh, like, uh, I deliver it with like this like clenched teeth aggression and people can feel that shit. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, speaking of that, so I used to do a whole bit about my mom and it was like a really, how do I describe this? It's not embarrassing, but it was like. Freudian. Not Freudian. I will. Well, I can't. I can't you want to fuck that. your mom? Just say it. I mean, don't we all? I mean, I definitely I, don't. Have you seen my mom? Wait. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'll change my mind if I see your mom. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't want to fuck your mom. This is a weird thing. So when uh, my mom was a stripper when I was younger, and so okay, yeah. It, <laughs> this isn't even the joke that I told on stage. This is just some other shit. So when I was younger, my mom was a stripper, but also uh, whenever I would go on the bus. 
in the mornings and she would like be there with me all my friends would be like dude your mom's hot your mom's so hot dude she's a milf and i just get embarrassed it's it's an embarrassing thing it sucks to have a hot mom it does no it's great it's awesome to have a hot mom because have you seen the ugly moms like i i would feel bad there's something so nurturing about an ugly mom i don't know my mom was like this like beautiful fake bougie i'm gonna pretend to be elegant but super cold super severe there's something so like warm and fuzzy about an ugly mom I don't know why I feel that way. I just feel like if you have like a big hefty mom, she like cooks and she she makes warm soup and you know rubs rip uh, what's that like Vicks vapor rub on your chest when you're yeah. sick. Like that's like a that's an ugly mom way to be. Well, At see, least have an ugly mom attitude. I understand that. I've never had an ugly mom, so I don't know. Yeah. But my mom was the same way with you just described. She would like cook cook his food, rub Vicks and all that. So I had it from a beautiful mom's perspective. <laughs> I had a loving mom. She was great. I was just like, and then the story was like, uh, she's bipolar schizophrenic. So it was uh, an episode that she had that I told on stage. People loved it afterwards. I told it at Speakeasy. And I haven't told it since because... The reason why is because I the only way I can tell a joke about my past or any trauma is until I've gotten over it. Yeah, a million percent. I agree with that 100 percent. And I feel like you were saying that you're not there to like just go into personal stuff. But like I said, I do think funny has to be king, right? Funny is king. But second to that, you can share the personal stuff. And like that, before you even said anything about bipolar schizophrenic, which is also fascinating, the first thing you said when you said my mom's, my mother was a stripper. Yeah. That, that's not a joke. That's not a punchline, but it's fascinating. So like, I think sometimes comics, they share something fascinating that, that brings people in and they're like, well, it's not a joke. It's not funny yet. And I don't get an immediate laughter. We all want like immediate gratification. So we're like, oh, if I don't hear like uproarious laughter right away then I'm not funny or interesting it's like no you said the stripper thing and it wasn't funny but it was fascinating so it sucked me in so I wanted to hear more so I think that if you're more of a storyteller comic and I respect the hell out of people that can do one-liners punchy but I think you can have very punched up stories that are fascinating where you don't get the maybe you get a laugh every 20 seconds instead of 10 seconds but people are on the edge of their seat, fascinated, wanting to know what happened next. Whereas if you're telling a one-liner, that's over. On to the next. And I think you build more of like a story arc up to a climax if people get to know you. So that's I'm not at that level, by the way. I'm, I'm a piece of shit. I'm not saying I'm that. But I'm just saying that's my goal is to get to that level of the great storyteller comics. And I think once I'm a little bit more over my shit and confident, I'll be able to do that. So one of the things that I've been realizing recently is that everybody grows in their own rate. Everybody does things differently. Everybody figures out their voice in a certain way and stuff like that. What I was when I first started is I've talked about this a lot. I was a one-liner comic. And the hardest thing about being a one-liner comic is you live and die by that joke. Mm -hmm. So if it falls flat, you're screwed. If it goes great, then you have to tell the next joke and then you don't know if it's going to hit or not. And then you have to keep that pace going. I was watching uh, Andy Huggins one night. And oh, he's so good at it. So great. So amazing. I love him. And I was counting how many jokes he told in his whole set. In about a 15-minute set, he told about 30, 35 jokes. But the genius <laughs> of Andy, in my opinion, and granted, this is all like 
it, this is totally subjective. It's what I like. But w- the reason I think Andy is pure genius and I love him so much is that so he told you, you counted his jokes, right? It was like 30 something jokes in a five minute set, right? Amazing and phenomenal. I love that. And that's a skill. But the beautiful thing about Andy on top of that for me and what I prefer is by the end of those one-liners, he's told a whole story about his addiction, his his issues with sobriety, his his fear of getting older and dying. He makes it all funny. But a lot of it, if you th- think of Andy's jokes, a lot of it is very actually personal. So he has this beautiful, he's this amazing one-liner comic who's able to also get pretty deep and personal about himself and be pretty self-deprecating so I love Andy because I love seeing the personal shit and hearing the personal shit about what he's gone through and I get that in his one-liners so I was gonna say that so the way I started off as a one-liner comic then I moved over to storytelling and the one thing that I found out with storytelling is exactly what you said sometimes the stories can go too long and you have a big you know lull in between a setup to the punchline and so what I ended up doing was I ended up adding one-liner jokes inside the story mm-hmm. to make it pop a little bit more because I realized that getting a laugh, getting that immediate reaction keeps people's attention. Mm-hmm. So, and then after that, I was just like, okay, I got good at stories. What else am I bad at? Bits. Now, the way I write a bit now is I write a whole bunch of one-liners based on one topic and I intertwine them together to make it seem like one story. Or like uh, I, I'm also trying to do point of view comedy. Like I'm trying to get my point across, stuff like that. I'm just it's, it's people don't realize how hard it is to do stand up and how many different styles and how much writing you have to do and performing and all the mics and everything. It's just everybody's like, oh, that guy's funny. I think I could do that, too. It's, it's like, so different from being like the funny friend in a friend group. Those guys think that being the funny friend in their friend group with their inside jokes and like nostalgic comments like they think it translates it doesn't it's so much more complicated and such hard work but i it's funny that that's the way you work because i would say i put my bits together the opposite way i think of a funny story and i'm like well there's a punch at the end here that or there's an unexpected turn but now i need to add like one-liners throughout so i i usually start with a story that that is compelling to me and i think is funny and then I add in like punchiness and then I try to write one liners within the bit. Uh-huh. So I kind of work, I think, exactly the opposite. Yeah. So of you. I'm a, I, I start with an idea, a short little joke idea or premise or whatever. Then I build, build, build. You already have an idea of what you want to do. And then you just add in between. Yeah. And I think that it's like a good it's probably a good like bit of homework for both of us to try to write like the opposite person. Just as like a. I, that's, I'm doing this roast on Sunday and like it's been so good for my brain to have to write roasts because it's so opposite of what I normally do and it's really fun like yeah. I never do that shit so it's fun for me to try to work that different muscle but like for example too another thing I think would be awesome for you to explore I'm being like I got excited when you mentioned the mom stuff because I have mommy issues, obviously. (laughs) So I was like, man, when you talk about like bipolar schizophrenic and I know maybe like women are more emotional and different. But to me, I'm already so like that's so compelling. I want to hear all about your childhood. Like that's fascinating to me what you must have gone through. I think my mom is undiagnosed. Maybe not bipolar, like manic depressive. If we're being completely honest, I think there are a lot of people that are undiagnosed. Oh, a mil- and especially that generation. I don't know. My mom is quite a bit older generation. My mom's a boomer. So, like, 
basically her whole attitude is buck up buttercup not everybody gets a participation medal shut the fuck up stop complaining children should be seen and not heard and usually not seen either by the way and like she is if she has an issue I think it's made me so I talk too much as you can tell I, I say everything she's sweep it all under the rug she would never go to therapy she would never get diagnosed because she'd be like I'm fine you know <laughs> that's the attitude Ugh. madness oh, man. that's that's wow I mean like was your mom always like that you know I think so again like she wasn't she's just extremely cold I don't share anything person so I think you know I have all these inklings of like she was raised, uh, she was the only child, and I think that, I think that she had an abusive father. I don't know. She never talks about this stuff. And she had me when she was 39. I never really met, I met my grandma, but she was like, you know, she was legit off her rocker crazy by the time I met her, my grandmother. Wow. And so I think that, I think that my mother, I don't know. I, I think she's always been that way, and I think it progressively, when you get something undiagnosed in your personality and then you just continue to ride with it without ever admitting any that you need help you're like it's like an addict I would guess but with your own mental health right like she's delusional with it she can't admit she has an issue and so she's so set in her ways she'll never change I'm pretty sure she's always been that way but it's like progressively gotten worse over time so from from my understanding from my perspective from from hearing you it doesn't sound like she's it's, it sounds like she's scared to say the truth, to say how she really feels, because once she says it, people are going to look at her a different way. Oh, she's all about how she appears to other people. Like I said, her she's like yeah. she was raised poor and then she married my she married into money and she's so worried about seeming bougie, fitting in, acting like she she used to call herself old money. I'm like, literally, you, <laughs> you what does that even mean? You you were born like you. You didn't have any money till you were 40. And there's no judgment. Own it. Yeah, that Own sounds who like a you cool are. rap name. I mean, old money. <laughs> old money in the house. She's, I mean, but just like delusional level. And because it, it was so important to her to be seen that way. And it's like, it just, listen, I'm not going to be that like privileged girl over here saying money doesn't matter. But like when you're a kid being raised in that, it doesn't matter. You just want like love and attention you know so my mother had me when she was 39 my father was 70 uh sorry excuse me 65 yo yeah so it's crazy but i i think this stuff is fascinating and that's when i hear other people's like we might seem very different to each other like if we just met you know at a bar somewhere but like having crazy mothers and those kind of issues like I want mm-hmm. that's all I want to hear about I want to hear about your childhood I, have you tried doing that bit again at all uh I think once but then I I lost the reason why it was funny yeah I was doing it for a minute it was working it was killing uh but I was like after a while I was just like I don't want to talk about this anymore it's just yeah I'm if you don't it. want to you shouldn't you shouldn't yeah also like I I I feel like talk. Uh, here's here's why I, I said it. I was on this app. It was like a radio app, and where you could talk to other people, right? And I was bored one night. I was just matching with random people, talking on this like app, radio app. And this gay guy, he he was from New York. He was really cool, and we were just talking, having a conversation. I told him I was a stand up comic. I told him my jokes. He hated them. <laughs> he was like, "This isn't funny." 
And then I told him. Damn, that's on us. I know. I lo- that's why I loved him. I was like, okay, cool. But then I told him the actual stuff that happened in my life. And I told him that story about my mom. And he was just like, you got to tell that on stage. That's but, crazy. See, but it is subjective, right? So like I, and I wonder sometimes if it's like the difference between men and women. Like I do want to hear people's personal shit. I love, that's even Andy, who is a one-liner comic. That's what I love about his stuff. Like I said, so maybe I do think there are genuinely people, genuinely people out there that, by the way, this guy's a master. I'm not shitting on him. It's just not my taste that love a Jerry Seinfeld. Now, he's talking about he almost never gets personal he's talking about like a toothbrush or something right yeah but somebody i think it was on tim dylan's podcast when um jessica kirsten was the guest highly recommend everyone i love her to that. love jessica kirsten so and he rarely has guests but she was just on his podcast and they played a clip they were talking about the same thing jess was like basically i'm just repeating what jess said to be honest which is that she's not a huge fan of jerry seinfeld i've always felt that same way but then Tim Dillon played a clip of him at some award ceremony where he did get really personal and real. And it was hysterical. And it's just some award ceremony where he's accepting an award. He's making fun of himself. He's making fun of like materialism and, and the way he lives. And it's so honest. And it's just like, wow, I never hear Jerry talk about that stuff. Now, does he make his observations about airplane food funny? For sure. He's talented and so amazing. I hope to be half what he is someday but i just feel like for me that's not my taste well this is a that was back in the 80s and there's a new wave of comedy and people are getting way more personal now but a lot like then you have the other problem like you said about it's only personal and it's just someone up there lecturing you or just someone up there being sad and you're like hey reminder this also has to be funny exactly well what I'm realizing now is you have to learn the basics. You have to learn the structure. You have to know what a setup, punchline, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Once you learn the rules, then you can be able to bend them to your will. Yeah, absolutely. That's the biggest thing. And I feel like a lot of comics, younger comics that are starting out, don't really realize that. They just go straight to, yeah, so my dad killed my mom. And it's just like, whoa, what the? Like, there's no jokes in between. You're just telling something that happened in your life. And it's not being a very empathetic stand-up. Like, it's not putting yourself in the in the shoes of the audience members. Like, imagine you're sitting out there in the audience hearing that. What are you supposed to do? Ha! <laughs> like, what What the fuck are they supposed to do with that information? They react like a person yeah. and just go, what the hell? So I don't think, like, that's... I do think some people get up on stage as pretty selfish comics, and they just want to take, take, take from the audience. They want to take their attention. They want to take their time, and they don't want to give. I want to be a giving comic. I want to give something when i'm up there so that people feel like they're leaving with something see i i think of it as every comic is trying to give somebody something they're trying to give themselves the problem is people don't want you yeah. <laughs> but I feel they don't like want what you're giving them human nature is like is is so weird i like think about it with relationships like a relationship is never going to end well if you're like so needy on a person um and the way to be the most attractive is to be like, I'm the shit. I'm great. I'm awesome. Not cocky. Just like love yourself genuinely deeply. And I feel like the same in a relationship that's attractive, at least I think definitely women to men, like the most attractive thing is confidence. Someone who knows who they are because anyone like, I'm not talking about cockiness. I'm talking about truly knows who they are and loves themselves. Same thing on stage with a comic. Like 
I feel like the audience can tell when you're just like, when you're insecure, when you're, when you are nervous, when you are not sure of yourself. I have a much better set when I roll up on stage feeling like I love my life. I love myself. Everything's good. And go, I'm sometimes having to like put myself in that mindset. I'm not saying it's easy for me, but I do think the audience can tell when you are insecure when you want to be liked you say they don't like you it's like well they probably don't like you because they can tell you're not liking yourself right now ah i like that insight i don't know maybe that's wrong but that's how i have to approach it i have to go on stage and tell myself like this is me i can only be me love myself my life is good otherwise i'm stressing and yeah but then there are also those comics who hate themselves but don't show it yeah i mean and that's kind of all of us yeah and I am shocked by how many comics get off stage and maybe they're thinking the same thing I am, but saying the opposite thing. But I get off stage and my best set, I'll be like, all right, I have a lot of work to do, but this is amazing. Like, I'm glad that the audience had a fun time, blah, blah, blah. But most of the time I'm like, fuck me. So I'm always shocked when people get off stage. And that's, and I think I'm a good comic, especially at the stage I'm at. Uh-huh. I'm, I like what I do. I like my set. I'm proud of my material. But I'm shocked when people get off stage and it clearly didn't go well. And they're like, oh, fucking crushed it. It's like, are you are you hype? I mean, probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, like it's an adrenaline rush, right? When you get off stage, you're just like all this. These things are going through your mind and you get the the pressure off and everything just feels good. So you're a little high for sure. But. You make a great point. Uh, I try to be the same way. I was just like, right when I get off stage, I'm just like, okay. Immediately, I take five minutes. I sit down and I take five minutes. I think about, okay, what worked? What didn't work? What do I need to work on? Okay, what what, uh, what joke do I need to change? Where do I need to put this joke? What joke should I have said at this moment where this bombed, you know? I'm always thinking about that. I feel like other comics are like, I crushed, I killed it, I'm the best. Nobody could beat me. Yeah. Like, I'm amazing. It's like, that's delusional. It's also just, like, not a good way to grow and get better, I feel like, ever. If you're just, like, I don't know. I have this, like, perfectionist type A thing in me that's probably a bit of a negative, too. But, like, I just always, even in the best moment, I see how it could be better, you know? When I get an A, I'm like, how could I get an A plus? That's the way my mind works. Yeah. You know? And so I don't know that I'll ever feel good enough and then I get imposter syndrome right like I book a good gig like I did at the end of this month and I I'm like why didn't someone else get it what I'm, I'm not the type of person it's a little fucked up I'm not the type <laughs> I'm not the type of person that's like oh I deserve this I'm great I tell myself that until I believe it and that's really helped me and then also being in my 30s now I'm like eh, like I'm going to get mine before I die. I love myself. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do my best. And what's the point in freaking out about that shit that you can't control? Yeah. But I think that's partly age too. No, you're right. That's, that's, that's age. It's you understanding yourself. But also I think the thing that you just said that you're a perfectionist and you don't think you're ever going to be happy. I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's very true because I'm the same way. Like I keep trying strive to be better, trying to understand, uh, fix my mistakes, learn from them and stuff like that. But, uh, I know it's never it's, uh, it's never going to stop. That makes me think. So, by the way, I just I mentioned on stage I'm like terrible at talking about like lighter observational stuff, but in life you too, were look. really deep when I first met you. You just went straight to the the whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. Sometimes I feel like that's like. Um, it, well, here's the thing. How old were you when you first started? 
comedy? How long have you been doing it? So I started my first time ever up was December 23rd, 2019. The holidays, twenty end of 2019, right before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal time to start. Okay. So about, let's see, two years Three years almost? A little, yeah, a little over, because that was end of 2019. What are we, 2022? I, I remember when you first started. I got this, like, dumb story. So when you first started popping up in the scene, I remember we were at Rudyard's one night. I was just I just went there. I went to go do a spot, and I see you in the corner, and I see all these other younger comics, and they're just staring at you. They're all staring at you. They're all talking about you and stuff like that, and I was like, what's going on, guys? And they're like, look at her. She's all... Because you're, cause you're very pretty. Thank you for saying that. And I was just like, why are these guys doing that? So the first thing I did is I went up and I went to go talk to you. Because <laughs> I was like, why are these losers so scared to talk to a woman? Well, it's the thing is, like, I also feel like I'm not nothing against it. And I think it's important to network. That's like my business side of my comedy brain thinks about thinks about that. I, I hate it. It's like not my strong suit. But also, I do feel like I'm just, like, in a different place in life. Maybe Andy feels a bit this way, too. Uh-huh. And, and he's sober. I'm not definitely not. But I do feel like, you know, I, I feel like I'm just not good with the hang. Like, I'm definitely not in the Houston scene in that way. And I wonder if it hurts me opportunity-wise. But I love everyone. I love talking to everyone. I'm also, I also try to distance myself because I know I'm a lot. I have a hard time talking about, you know, I have a hard time just giggling and being goofy, which is funny because I, I love dark humor, but I also like to go deep. Like I want to talk about intense subjects and I go into them quickly. Like I started with our my mommy issues right at the beginning of yeah. this, you know, I like to do those intense subjects. I'm just like, that's my personality. It makes me feel like I can get to know someone on a deeper level. And I think that's my like desperation for like family friends because i i'm not close with my family my dad's dead my mom is crazy as we (laughs) talked about so i think old money yeah i mean listen she's (laughs) bougie and cold and uptight and i i think that sometimes when i talk i go like right into the shit because i'm like let's be either i want like i'm zero to 60 with everything i either want like deep friendship or no friendship i don't like acquaintances so (laughs) I'm the same way. I can tell that. I'm the same way, but I had to realize like that's not a great way to be when you're trying to get into comedy. Because mm-hmm. I, uh, what I did was one time I went to a comic. We were talking. I just started blurring out some personal stuff, and then they told everybody. Oh, well, I don't it. give a shit about that. I'm big. Like I don't care what you know or say or think about me. Any I, that's the beauty of the roast is like I might not like in a fight. I say like a physical fight, I might not be the one to like punch well or, you know, I'll get beat the fuck up, but I'm good at getting beat up. You know, I'm good at taking a punch. Like anything you say or think about me, I've said or thought worse about myself and I've still made my life a beautiful, fun, adventurous life. So like I'm good at taking a punch. I don't care what people say about me. And that's a good reason not to be in the scene is I genuinely, and it's a good thing about being old as the Dickens. I'm old as shit, and so I just don't care what. How old are you? I, what some twenty-year-olds think. I'm thirty-six, so I'm like, you're not old for a woman, especially. That feels we have like guys get an extra ten years, you know, on us. 
but one reason I think you're also able to maybe like not share your personal shit right away and that you're less probably emotional is you're not packed with estrogen that makes you (laughs) a little crazy and a little emotional and a little like I don't know I, I always am super impressed with chicks. There are a lot of chicks in the scene, actually, in comedy who are, like, super laid back, go with the flow girls. I'm just, I'll never be like I don't that. think you should be. I think you're good being yourself. Because, yeah. And then with the whole networking thing and talking to people and stuff like that, I think you're good because, I'm going to be quite honest, I don't like everybody. <laughs> I'll talk to them. I'll say what's up and stuff like that. And I've had conversation with them. But there's like maybe a handful of people of comics that I actually talk to that I am friends with that I have long conversations with that we talk about deep and personal stuff and that I'm okay with talking with them. Yeah, I don't want it's this. It feels like a job now. It it feels like I'm at a corporation and I'm trying to build myself and and it's um, I'm trying to network and talk to people and work my way up. These people are not my friends. They're my colleagues. I agree with that, but I also genuinely, like, I I hope that anyone that's ever spoken with me, I think this is true. I'm not, like, I, I'm trying to think about my best way to describe this. I feel like when I interact with people, I think you would be hard-pressed to find anyone who has interacted with me that would say I was anything other than really nice. I I try to be, like, as kind as possible to people, that doesn't mean that I have to stay and hang out for three hours and get drunk oh, yeah, and whatever. Definitely. Yeah, you don't have to. You know, so I, I, I think that I'm like kind, supportive, and really with women, I try to be like extra. There's so few of us. I have a, an amazing group of female comics that unfortunately don't live in Houston that I write and work with every week and that I adore, and we genuinely support each other. So I try to go out of my way, especially with jealousy. If I ever see someone else and I feel jealous, I know that that is a sign that I need to take that jealousy and support that person. So like if I see someone and I'm like, damn, that was great. They're great. I'll take that feeling like of of jealousy and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to post, I'm going to post about them and say, go see this bitch. She's amazing. (laughs) So by the way, you know, like I did it with Shelby, uh, who I'm like, she's six months in. She's fucking amazing. My, I'm going to be dead honest. I'm not proud of this, but again, I'm honest. If you're listening, if if you see Jamie posting your stuff, she really hates you. (laughs) I really, but I really love you. I know that I'm at an age where I know that like, I just, there's, I genuinely feel no, but I, I feel like that's a good thing though because I'm the same way. There's like, room for all of us. I, well, I get jealous too, but sometimes I'm like, I can't be this way. I can't be angry that somebody's getting better, that someone's getting all these things. I have to be able to support them because we're a community. We need to help each other but out. I actually do. I mean it when I say. So I'm I'm being honest. Maybe I shouldn't even mention the jealousy part, but I think it's an important thing to say. Yes, I'm a human being. Of course, I feel those feelings. But I'm three years in. I have. I'm doing my shit. I can only do me. Jealousy is a thief of joy, whatever that fucking bumper sticker phrase is. And it's true. So, and and then I feel amazing when I support. I mostly support other women just because I think we need it more. Whatever. You could be biased and say you have whatever opinion. Trust me. Every comic has their group that they support the most. But for me, I just like... And again, I don't need to hang out and be best friends with everyone, but I am going to, if I'm not going to post someone that I don't think is talented 
I'm being honest. I'm not going to do that. But if I think someone is truly talented, I want to support them. I want them to do well. It only makes a bigger space for women in comedy. And I genuinely mean it, like, to my core, to my heart. Like, it's, like, meaningful to me to the point where I feel emotional talking about it. I want to support funny fucking women. And I think that it's extremely valuable. And I love male comics. Some of my favorite comedians to point to that are that <laughs> that I respect are male comics. But that's just because they're, I think so, they're Sorry more for laughing. It just sounded like, yeah, some of my best friends are male comics. I don't know why that just No, no. <laughs> some of my, like, some of the people I look up to in the business that I, yeah. you know, like celebrity stop, comics, like big comics or New York comics um, that are celebrities to me. Um, are men, but I do think the more women have opportunities, the more funny women will get, you know, we all just bring each other up. I mean, I like female comics. I I, I love comedy either way. So if somebody's funny, I'm going to support them no matter what. I don't like the, the, the notion that, yeah, women aren't funny. And so that's not it. Cause I grew up with a single mother and she was hilarious. Yeah. She's part, she's the reason why I'm funny. My, my dad was boring as fuck. He yeah. would just go on the long tangents and long stories and stuff like that. And he'd just be like, just sitting there going like, okay, cool. Yeah. My mom, she was quick. She was very quick and I loved her so much. So I know women can be funny. Yeah. Uh, but they're, Jessica Kirsten, she's one of my favorites because she's so different. Now, that's the type of comedy that I like. It's like alt- alternative comedy that you don't see every day. Like some, some comics will do set up punch and you're like, I've seen this before. Oh, yeah, it's funny, but other people have done it. I want something different. I want something fresh. You cannot take your eyes off of her when she's on stage. Yeah. She is a powerhouse. She is She is 100% committed when she's on stage. It's like... It's fucking hilarious. And it, it's crazy. These A lot of it is not just like the comedy itself, which is so good. And I relate to a lot of the content of it. But she is like, the, the delivery is insane. She is a performer all around. She gets up on stage and it's like the voices, the everything. It's it's a performance. Like yeah. she's one of the few comics. There are comics that I love as podcasters. She's a great performer to see live. She, she kind of runs it like mania personified. Yeah. And I love it. I love it so yeah. much. I love that type of style. And speaking of supportive of other women, there is not, you're not going to find a female comic who is more genuinely supportive of female comics than her. I mean, she's just, uh, she's, she's a special person. She seems like she's a great, person yeah she seems awesome she's amazing everybody go (laughs) uh listen to watch any jessica she's really jealous of you (laughs) k-i-r-s-o-n and i do i really do feel like jealousy when i see someone that it's not jealousy though that that what you just said right there that's not jealousy well because i change it immediately i do feel those initial feelings of jealousy i'm like man will i ever be as good as her? does it make you mad no i feel it's not jealousy i feel i feel like weirdly like proud of her like a mom i feel like hopeful that i can get to that level of comfortability on stage i feel you're in awe yeah 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 so it's not jealousy i yeah. know but i like to just like i like you to want say people the, to think that you're well, just like, i also I, like I, to say the dark thing because i think it's okay if you're not perfect you're not you think 
the shitty thought like, oh, fuck that. I'm never going to be that good. It's okay to think that thought, but you can't live in that space. You just have to like do something about it. Get funnier. Write more. Like I'm not as funny as I want to be today. I'm way funnier than I was two years ago. And I'm only, I, I feel like you have to be a little hard on yourself to improve. I know I was trying to grab. Yeah, but, <laughs> sorry. Nobody can see this, but we're trying to grab this one guy. I had a, I had like a plumber come in the other day, and I guess they left the door open, and now I got these flies in my house. It's, oh. What's the little kid from, uh, from Charlie Brown, who carries the? Carries the little dirty blanket. Oh yeah, yeah, What's yeah. What's his yeah, name? Yeah, I feel yeah. like that kid, uh, right? Pen. Yeah, Pig Pig, I feel like Pigpen. This this guy. I loves look. Me. I, I feel like look at my hair. <laughs> <laughs> I cleaned my house so much, and I'm just like ah. That's your psyche. That little fly is a personification of your psyche. Like, oh my god, this <laughs> is everything. I just I don't know. That's just uh, I I think that's that's me in a nutshell. I try to be perfect. I try to do everything right, but something always goes wrong. But I just think, you, so I think you, actually, you brought this up earlier. You had mentioned never being happy. I think that you have to get out of that mindset. I don't think that's right. I think we'll always be, if you have that type A control freak thing like I do, you're always, we're always going to be hard on ourselves. Yeah. But here's the thing. Now, this is like my new theory in life. <laughs> and some people, it's going to sound depressing. And I feel like depending on your personality, some people think of it as depressing. I think of it as super hopeful and awesome. And that is nothing fucking matters. Nothing matters. And because, and that sounds sad, but it's actually beautiful. Because if nothing fucking matters, nothing is that serious. Nothing is that big of a deal. No show that I do. Of course, I'm going to be professional, put my best in every performance. I'm going to live life while I'm here the best I can. Try to get funnier. Try to have fun with my husband. Try to, you know, have a have a drink, get laid, sleep live you know but nothing matters i agree with you to a certain extent so my theory nowadays because i'm the type of guy that i when i was younger i didn't give a fuck and i would do anything and everything i would get in trouble all the time i would do stupid things and just just be an idiot right now that i'm getting older sure it's good not to give a fuck but the whole point in life is to give somewhat of a fuck well but yeah, no, I think you said the words not giving a fuck. That's not what I'm saying. I think that saying nothing matters means you have to live like your best life now because I don't believe there's an afterlife. I don't believe in other stuff. I believe this is my opportunity to live a good life now. So I'm not saying I don't give a fuck. I give enough fucks to make my personal day-to-day the best possible day. But nothing anyone else does. No, no out, I should say no outside shit matters. Like growing myself, making my life as good as possible for me and the people I love. That's enough. Yeah. None of this other bullshit matters. This outside stuff. Like I, I just, I perform better when, and I live a better life generally. And I feel less like jealous or frustrated or OCD or perfectionist. If I'm just like, eh. I give a fuck about making my day-to-day good and being the best me I can be. That's, that sounds so fucking gay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but it's true. I'm, I'm starting to just, I want everyone to know that I've just been like reading bumper stickers the past two minutes. I've just been reading oh my God. wellness just, quotes on Instagram. 
Are you trying to be more inspirational now and trying no, to post it's, those? It's, but it's like not. I never post that shit. But it. I it just, is shit, right? It, it is it, bullshit. bullshit. I I got a joke on that now. I wrote a joke about it recently because I've seen like every time every time somebody posts something inspirational, it's because they're trying to change something in themselves. It's not because they actually want to believe it. But at first. that's what I'm saying is you kind of do have to lie to yourself to get to that point. So I'm a nihilist. I'm like me too. I, it does. That's why I say it doesn't matter to post a wellness thing online because I want the wellness ship for myself everyone else is in charge of themselves they can do so not i don't know i don't know it's a difference between not giving a fuck and nothing matters it's a slight difference but an important one i like how you hold the mic like a glass of wine i really do hold the two fingers (laughs) like my pinky is up it's tea time i feel like i need crumpets or something god i'm the worst this is just natural this feels I'm comfortable right now, and this feels natural for me. God, this room does not feel natural. I don't know what the hell. Your OCD is kicking it in is hard. Kicking you got it. You got. You gotta let it go. I'm. I'm literally not thinking about it all this whole time. It just, just like, wait. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? It's the air conditioning. Yeah. I've been hearing it for 20 minutes. Wait. Do you see that fly? No one. I wish I would have gotten high before this. Then <laughs> it would be different. Wouldn't that make it worse? Uh, it used to. Lately, now when I get high, I just talk. I just get in conversations, and I'm, like, hyper-focused in it. I can't get high. I'm terrible at getting high. I was in college with potheads. They smoked every day. We smoked the same fucking weed as each other, and they would be giggling and having a blast, and I would be just, like, lights out, asleep, tired. I hate it. I I think we talked about this before. Probably. I have this issue, because I think they were past – well – I shouldn't I shouldn't throw anyone under the bus, but someone was offering us something somewhere and I turned it down because of that. I just can't get high. What what happened? No, I just was like, I don't want to. I'm not a germ freak. I don't care about sharing, you know, someone's blunt. I just am like, I know this isn't going to work for me. You're going to rave about it. You're going to I've heard the same phrase a million times. Oh, you just haven't had the right weed. I've had all the weed. I've had all the different kinds. I've had the indicas, the sativas, all the things. It doesn't it doesn't do what it's supposed to do for me. I do want to try microdosing shrooms because I've heard good things about that. But I also saw people who like fully did regular shrooms back in the day and that seems miserable. So I think maybe. Okay, here's the thing. So with the mindset that you have, you're going to have to force yourself to be positive the whole time because there will be a moment when you're like maybe an hour, two hours in where the bad thoughts are going to come in, the negativity is going to come in. And if you stay with that negativity, it will just consume you and get worse. So if you get any negative thoughts any angry thoughts any jealous thoughts any bad thoughts you have to force yourself to like positivity i gotta be happy i'm trying to be i'm in the room gotta be in the moment i gotta be happy i'm not a lean in and relaxed person like that i know it wouldn't be good for i can't even go i can barely go to the beach for like more than an hour no, I can't no, try, i'm saying try it try it but if you get those crawling thoughts try to push them back i'm the type of guy i'm like i don't want people seeing my flaws or anything bad with me like i try to cover everything up I feel like I appear a certain way to people. You seem perfect. So I think that people, that's an insane thing to say, but not in. Not I'm saying, in the, I'm not saying you are. I'm saying you seem like you have it all together. I feel like yeah. in my life, I'm around two types of people. I'm around like these, my husband's uh, colleagues, wives who are like wow, fucking like Stepford wives. Well, we're always going on. When you get, if you're like, 
a married old person, you'll go on so many double dates where like, uh-huh. as I feel like for women and they're like more of a traditional type woman, right? So they like stay home with the kids and they talk about PTA meetings and I'm staring at someone's dead eyed wife across the table, but they're like perfect and they always get their hair done. And, they, and so like to them, I, they think they look at me and they think, wow, she's like crazy and all over the place. But then in the comedy world, people think I'm put together, which is hilarious because it's so different, right? <laughs> because the people in the comedy world are crazier <laughs> than you. <laughs> well, so like, if it, isn't that funny? So I'm always surrounded by these women who does, are does like... Does it feel good to feel more that, normal? Yes. In a, yeah, right? <laughs> a million percent. So which is why I feel like also, I, I'm i still trying to figure it out. I don't have like a doppelganger. So I open my set with a, a joke about how I do have one, and then I just say it's how I look like a bitch, essentially. But I try to shit on myself a little bit more than normal on stage because I know that I appear to people like I have my shit together, and I think that it's important to open up. That's why I'm, it's not like I only want to do personal shit, but I do think it's important to know how, like when you walk on stage, you have to know what people are thinking and address it. Like I feel like, or not even just the way you look, but any elephant in the room. Like let's say there's yeah. some someone being loud in the back. You can ignore it and try to talk over it, but if you don't address the elephant in the room, it's like everyone feels tense. So... I feel that way with my appearance a lot where I feel like I have to address it and shit on myself so that people know I don't take myself so fucking seriously. I don't know. I don't know what you say about your appearance when you're on stage or if you even address it. Man, I've been told before that I look like I don't give a fuck. Do you say that on stage? Uh, I used to. I used to just go, I don't give a fuck. But it's it's one of those things where like I feel like if you say it, then it's not true because you have you feel like you have to say it. Okay, I get that. By the way, I do think it's not true with you because talk. All you have to do is talk to you for two minutes, and you could tell you give a lot of fucks. <laughs> a lot of fucks. You give a fuck about oh, all the things. My God. No, okay. So that's the thing. Like I, like I said, I hyper focus on certain things and stuff like that. So I, it seems like I give a fuck, but it's like it's it's not that I care. It's that it's annoying me. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I, I feel like I have this neuroses. Yeah, it, that's what I kind of mean about the nothing matters thing. Put the nothing matters not on the day-to-day tasks you do, but on the neuroses. Like, big picture, we're all just, like, little spots of nothing on this mortal coil. Just go out and look at the stars one night, and you'll realize how, like... Now then the stars are going to piss me off. But I, that's what I, they should, though. That's what I'm saying. They should <laughs> no, make you know, like, you're... My one set in the box tonight, for example, I want to do well. I want people to relate to me. I like my material. I know what I'm going to do. I go in there ready, prepared, sober, professional, ready to go. But also, and again, I believe it's going to go great. But let's say that I eat shit tonight. I can't survive in a world where I'm like, well, my one 10 minutes in the box is going to define how much I enjoy the rest of my life. Fuck no. I'm never going to see these people again. I'm still going to live my best life. And I'm better on stage when I go in with that mindset because I just am like, listen, I'm going to, what are the things that bring you joy? Like, what do you do on a day to day? Do you play the guitar, lift weights, whatever it is? I look, I'm looking around your apartment. So like all those things are still going to be there and bring you joy. Even as you're growing or being imperfect, you still have a lot of things to like look forward to. 
And again, I'm doing this wellness shit, but I'm just saying like what works for me. I, well, I feel like that comes with like age and maturity and like understanding yourself and who you are. I feel because like I feel like with me being 29, almost being 30, most of the stuff that has affected me in the past isn't affecting me that much anymore. Yeah. Because I'm beginning to not give a fuck like truly and honestly. But also, you get to decide. Like, you can decide right now, for example. Let's use this very niche example. You're annoyed with the flies, and you're like, I'm embarrassed. I am very embarrassed. Why? Why should you give a shit? You have a choice right now. It's like the jealousy thing, right? Like, you, my initial feeling of something of jealousy, I change it, and, and I'm like, I have a choice. I can be jealous, or I can support these fucking bad bitches. It makes me better. It makes me want to work harder. And blah, blah, blah. You have a choice with this small thing. You cannot give a fuck. It's this, it's, it's this one little fly. But you can't control it. I can't control it for some reason. It's just. No, I'm saying you can't control the fly. <laughs> you can't control the fly. Get over it. He's living his best life. You can't yeah. control the no, fly. No, but it's because. Okay, here's the thing. You're here. and But who gives a fuck what I think? I do. Why? Because I want you to. Be comfortable. And I'm the totally fact, comfortable. The fact you're talking about, like, oh, I need to clean my hair. I'm, I'm like, joking. <laughs> I'm joking. But li- listen, you're great. I like you. We're yeah. friends. We're colleagues. I will all, like, there will never be a moment where I don't see you out and I'm not like, oh, give me a hug, whatever. I So this, mo- like, why do you? Because you're in my home. It's a different. It's a yeah, different you setting. I you can't control this. You can't control uh, it. I'm a control freak. I try to control every aspect of. But my you life. just have to keep saying I do too, and the healthiest thing I've done. I feel like I'm like speaking just to you and not even for the the podcast anymore because I just want <laughs> you to know because I'm the same way. And I haven't fully bought into my own lie to myself yet, and it is. It still feels a little like a lie right now, but this. We can't control it. I, when I say this, I'm pointing to a fly. We, we're getting, we're not even high, and we've been talking about this fucking fly for 20 minutes. But, but I, seriously, we. Well, no, no, no that, that that fly is the personification of our, our, our neuroses, our neuroses, yeah, our jealousy, our anger, everything in our lives. It's like we can't control it. But. You just have to, I don't believe that I can't control it. I want to believe I can, but I just keep telling myself over and over again in my head, this is my running thing. I can't control it. I can only do me. I can't control other people. I can't control other beings or objects or this or that. I can only try to be my best self. So it's not, it's not giving no fucks because you give a fuck. You want me to be comfortable. That's and you're a human being. That's nice. Yeah. So you can give a fuck, but you can also understand certain things are out of your control. You're not going to get that fucking fly right now. Just say that to yourself. Oh, I will. Say, no, don't. You will maybe later. <laughs> Let that be the. But just. I know, I know, I know what you're saying. Say I, the I'm, mantra. I just got to be. I'm not going to get it right now. I'm not going to get it right yes. now. I'm not yeah. going to get it right now. See, look at us. We're so zen. Two zen comics. The first okay, ever. But zen. if I open the door. <laughs> God damn it. Just I'm bargain. Kidding. This is the. I'm what kidding. is this step called? It's like the steps of grieving and this is bar you we were at delusion and there's bargaining i forget all the steps denial denial yeah i forget them oh my god and then the last one is acceptance yeah i don't think that we know that one i don't i'm Mm -mm. never gonna get to that Mm -mm. nope nope I'm, i'm i'm stuck at denial but it sounds like you're so i think you're still more chill than me because this is how i know 
because you said you were able to get past the negative thoughts when you were on shrooms. I feel like my psyche like issues run so deep that I would hit that spot and I would be like, you would dive deep. I would dive deeper. (laughs) I'd be like, let's therapize myself in this shroom spiral. I'm like under a blanket shaking back and forth. My friends are all like dancing in the wind with like ribbons in their hair. And I'm just like, (sighs) I'm sitting alone in in a corner corner shaking. Oh my God. I mean, honestly, I'm so bad at having fun. I, I did like, it's been now over a decade, literally, but I did like the control freak drugs. Of course, like in college I did Coke and I was like, I I don't have an addictive personality, which is really lucky. So it wasn't an every weekend thing either. It was just like, oh, it's New Year's. Let's do it. Oh, it's a, it's someone's birthday. Let's do it. So probably a total of a dozen times I did it. And that I loved, of course, because it went with my personality. Like I felt in control. If I had been drinking, I felt more sober. Like I loved that, but it's obviously not a sustainable thing that you should do. I'm 36. I shouldn't just like pick up cocaine again, but it was fun when I did it. I mean, you could. I I could, but I'm going to go ahead and like, again, I do give some fucks and I want to make my best life. So I mean, maybe if the like perfect moment was right, like it's a new year's five years from now and I'm somewhere, I'm on a, you know, I'm. So Okay. So that's a good point. That's a very good point. It's uh, the same with drinking for me now. Like, I stopped drinking, but I remember you said that. I don't tell myself that I can't drink. That's that's the biggest thing about me that I don't. If I tell myself no, then I'm going to do that thing. But did you do the program? Like, did you do? I'm not all doing that. No, I'm not doing that because the whole program is based on uh, religion. Yeah. And, I'm not, yeah. and I'm not a religious guy. I'm just that's the thing. I'm agnostic. So the way i was able to not have a drink is just tell myself hey you can do it if you want or not it's all cool but you make that choice cuz like when once a person is denied something they want it even more now a million percent exactly a so million. i'm not telling myself i can't have a drink i'm like if you want a drink go ahead and i may get a drink or not but i'm just choosing not to like do you feel so and you don't have to talk, stop me at any time, but like when you did decide to stop, did you feel like you weren't able to control it? I hit rock bottom. And you I hit it hard. How, how did you then go the next morning and just be like, nope? Oh, it didn't happen immediately. It wasn't immediately. It was a slow taper off. It, uh, things just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And then. It just came to the point where I was just like, I'm not happy. My body hurts. My head hurts. Uh, every time I wanted to like do something, I couldn't without a drink. Isn't that a bitch? Like you, I wish we, as humans we would realize more quickly, but sometimes it takes like literal months of like a downhill for you to like look in the mirror one day and be like, "Fuck, I feel like shit." And I didn't. I'm like just realizing this now that I felt like shit for months or whatever it is, or years or whatever it is, but. I I agree 100% that, you know, you have to make that decision and you have to, like, decide what's best in the moment. But I think that we have the freedom as people. It sounds like you don't have a super addictive personality. I don't know. I know that there are people who stopped drinking or stopped doing whatever, and they know that if they do it again, they'll probably die. We don't – I don't think that's where we are. So, like, I can – I drink – I, 
I am a lightweight. I know I don't have an issue with drinking, even though I drink. I drink pretty consistently, like probably five, six days a week. And when I drink, I'll have like a drink and a half. So, I mean, that's that's not bad, but it's consistent. But I've never had an issue where I felt like it was harming my life with Coke. It's like I, I didn't have an issue with it back in the day when I did it here and there. And yeah, if if some like perfect moment comes up where I'm like with friends and it's like again it's like a holiday or something then like I'm not like I can't do this ever again it's just like it's not making my life better if I if I'm doing that on a regular basis here's the thing every doing something every once in a while is fine like it's if it's not affecting your life if it's not making you any worse if it's not hurting anybody it's fine every once in a while the problem is when you do it consistently and it starts affecting your job relationships family you know all these other things happening that's when it becomes a problem because there's so many people out there that drink that do drugs and stuff like that and it's not really affecting their lives well also i don't think that like i think that you can start and it's not affecting your life yeah and it progresses so slowly over time that you don't even notice it and then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like oh i used to have you know, one drink and now I'm having four. Like, when did this happen? So I think that, you know, that's the scary thing about those vices. And that's why I decide not to do, you know, cocaine, even though I know it was fun. I had a great time. I never had an issue with it. I just know it is one of those things that could become night and day real fast. Like you could. Yeah. I I feel like it sounds like you're just over it. It, it, it. You did it in college. You had a good time. It's whatever it was. But that's it. You're like, no, I'm not that person anymore. Well, then there are times I want. So like we're having this party. My husband and I just went to the courthouse when we got married. And we're having I was super then like jealous um, of people who had weddings. Like we were going to our friends weddings after. And I was like, oh, like I would get super teary and emotional. And I was like, I how often especially you know I don't know where you're at with like your friends most of my friends are married they live in a different state they whatever so it's so rare that everyone gets together all the time and again I'm needy I like to go deep with people because I'm not close with my family so when I see all my friends together it makes me super emotional because I like they're my chosen family and I'm like man I want to have a party not because we don't have to do the wedding part we're not religious my husband and I like we don't have to do the ceremony, all that other bullshit. I just want to have a party with the people I love, like get them all together. So we've been married for five years, but we're having this party in June. But I also know my husband is way more of a social butterfly than me. Uh-huh. He's like the life of the party. He's fun as shit. I can't keep up with him. So I'm like, I'm debating now. This is how much of a control freak I am. I've been thinking about it for months. Do I do drugs at the party? <laughs> So that I can be like, so that I can stay up and with everyone. I'm like literally debating this one night. This is, I mean, I'm way overthinking. Okay, so it. what kind of drugs are you thinking right now? Well, I mean, again, for me, the control thing is not. So I was thinking about Coke, but it's been scary because back in the day when I was doing it, again, I did it over 10 years ago. Haven't touched it since. So when I was doing it, fentanyl wasn't even a thing. Now that's, that's super right. fucking scary. Did you hear about those comics, that girl that died in L.A.? There's a bunch of comics that died, yeah. It's just, like, crazy. So um, I don't know that I want to, like, meet some random – it's in Mexico. I don't know that I want to, like, have some random Mexican street cocaine, you know? <laughs> like, I'm not just going to be like <laughs> – the way you said it. 
<laughs> you know, just some random Mexican street cook. <laughs> just like go into some gas station. I don't even know. Like some guy on the beach with a fanny pack. What the fuck? No. <laughs> Man, you really haven't bought Coke. <laughs> I have not. I don't know what to do, and I'm definitely not going to travel with it on the plane. So, I would. Okay, I mean, if that's the way you're thinking about it now, then I wouldn't suggest you do that. Well, so that I also agree because also my my like mother in law is going to be there. I don't know that I want to be coked up in front of like they're they're going to be. It's mostly people our age, but they're also going to be like some, you know, older people there, and I don't want to be. You want to be coherent. Yeah. You want to be coherent, but you also want to be able to socialize. That's why I want to test the microdosing shrooms, because I've heard someone said it was like Adderall. Okay, so that's different. Okay, so with shrooms, you're not going to be able to... You'll you'll socialize, but you're going to hyper-focus on things that you see. You're not going to be able to be in the conversation. That's better. Look how much I talk. I need to shut the fuck up sometimes no. and dance. We, we're, you've been talking this whole time, and you're talking it's about too, you're not sociable. But it's But it's too much. It's... Okay, so I've learned a trick, okay? One of the things that I, I, I'm the same way, I get too personal, I go zero to 100. The way you hold back is you just listen. That's so easier said than done. I know, I know. I'm a bad listener. It's hard to listen, I know. Trust me, I've, I've gotten a lot better at it, but just holding yourself, just pulling yourself back a little bit and just listening to what they're saying and repeating certain things. So I do those tricks. Uh Uh-huh. Like... Or I'll, I'll ask a question when I don't care. <laughs> then you could do that. You know what I mean? Like I'll ask someone a question. And of course with my friends who know me, it flows naturally. But with people who I don't know as well, like I have to be like, oh, you know, they're talking about their crown molding in their living room. I'm like, oh, how, how, how is that going? Don't I don't. But don't I, am a, I think sometimes I'm a bit of a sociopath, but also... I mean, aren't we all? I, I, I think that my f- growing up, so like, passed away dad, mother very cold, very aloof, adopted eight children. I told you some of that. I think I mentioned this in the green room. I have a crazy. Uh, yeah, family. you did. You did tell me you have a lot of brothers and sisters. So I'm the family. only daughter from my mom and dad. So I always felt very alone, even though I have siblings. I had siblings from their first marriages, half siblings. But they all were closer in age and they did boarding school in high school, bougie shit. Then they went to college. So I wasn't really close with them. Are you the youngest? I'm the youngest of the biological children. But then my mother adopted eight children from Russia. So like I talk so obsessively too. It's not only about going deep, but it's also, listen, hear me. Someone hear me. There are eight of us. Someone I'm over here. Listen, look at me. Please hear me. So, like, I sometimes feel, like, a desperation to talk. Like, I have something to say, too. Listen to me. You know what I mean? Because no one, there were so many of us. My mom would, honestly, she would call, she'd try to yell at me, and she'd be like, Ash, Sam, uh, Jamie, Jamie. It's like, I'm Jamie. I'm here, too, you know? So I think my urgency to talk all the time is also because I'm so desperate for, like, being understood and attention and love. It's, like, it's the cheesiest gayest like most because i'm like please love me like listen to me (laughs) and it's rude to other people the way to get people to love and care about you is to listen to them Mm -hmm. you know and i know that intellectually 
but it's really hard for me in practice. So I just try to remove myself from situations. Or you could just be very, very confident in what you're talking about and how you feel when you're talking to a person. I feel pretty confident when I'm talking, but I don't let anyone else speak and that's not fun. You you know, it's funny because like when uh, when we're in the green room, sometimes I feel like people talk over you. And like you have to let that go sometimes too, because I feel like you want to just what do I mean? Like I, I feel it because I'm the same way. I'm a hundred percent that way. I know. So now I'm at the stage of life where I know that about myself, and I know it's unattractive. And I so I will like I'll go to dinner at my in laws. My sister in law will cook. It's my sister and brother in law do dinner a lot. My husband and I will do dinner with his little sister and her husband. So it's the four of us at dinner, and I know I have this tendency to overtake a conversation or to try to be heard or to bust in with my opinion on every subject. And so I always clean the dishes. I always stand up, take everyone's dishes and go and wash the dishes for like 20 minutes so that everyone can talk to each other without me. Like, because I do overtake a conversation and at least I'm not great at fixing it yet. I know I'll get better as I get older, but I at least give people space away from me so they can talk Mm -hmm. you know I give them space to talk and that doesn't mean I don't love myself I love I like myself I like being alone too like it's zen for me to go wash the dishes and get away from my thoughts but yeah it's I go drive around my god I love driving around listening to podcasts and being alone I love being alone but part of that then when I'm with people I do overtake things. I do try to talk too much and be heard and be understood. So I I know that now. I'm an adult. I know I have this problem, this desperation for attention. I admit it. I mean, that's why you do stand-up. That's why most of us do stand-up, because because we didn't get the attention that we needed when we were younger. We didn't get the love, the adoration, approbation, whatever. But it sounds like you're good at, you, you still have worked and become decent at listening, right? I my solution is I'm a bad listener, so I I just leave altogether. I I leave. I mean, but here's the thing: like all my life, people have just told me things about themselves, about their personal lives, about their problems and stuff like that. And I just had to listen because I don't know what the hell to say when somebody's like, "I think I'm pregnant," and you're like 14 years old. And you do have a very like comforting. Is it my face? Aura. It just I. It's. I don't think it's even that obvious of a thing. It's like an intangible thing. I, yeah, I can't. Every every all my life, people have just told me their personal things. I don't. I don't ask. I never ask. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I actively say, <laughs> "Leave me the fuck alone," and they still. I oh okay. So that's a great point. Most of my life, I, I act like don't talk to me, don't don't get near me because of that fact. Because people just tell me their shit. Do you think it's like? I don't started, know. Did your mom used to like have her like share a ton to, with you? My mom used to tell me stuff all the time. My dad used to tell me stuff. Like uh, it was everybody. Everybody tells me stuff. Do I you don't, have siblings? I have siblings. Yep. Is but, it? Are you close with them? Is it like mm-hmm. that with them? Nah. Nah, I'm not like my sister. Maybe, but my brother, he would never talk. He was just very quiet. Isn't to that himself. interesting? How, like, raised under the same roof, like siblings can be so different from each other we are all very different yeah it's it's crazy, it's crazy. but like I, I, I can you please tell me what it is about me that people just want to tell me things it's it's like a it's like a sense i don't know it's like welcoming like even so i am i'd love to act like i'm chill and cool but yes, I'm up, that's why these I'm flies uptight. are here because i welcomed them in for well, some reason. no but it's, i come in here and i like normally there are 
seven out of 10 places I come in to do a podcast. And I won't mention another one that I did. But I... Was it not good? Well, it's not that it's not good. It's that I just come in and I... There's something where I just feel like I'm sitting up like this. I'm not... You know, I'm like... I don't feel like... I do when I came in here, which is just like, I feel like I can just, I'm, I'm going to pop down right here. Yeah, the first thing you did, you walked into the couch and sat down. down. And other places I would probably be more like, Oh, can I sit here? Or what's the, whereas something about you and like the space around you feels immediately like I can just chill. Chill. Yeah. I am very chill. Yeah, yeah. I do have a chill vibe on me. I got a show called Chill Bruh. Like <laughs> But it's that dichotomy in our personalities, right? Because you also have a very not chill side and you mm. that comes through when you're sharing or when you're killing bugs with raid like an insane person. So it's it's okay, here's the thing. I feel like I force myself to be chill because inside my brain is always working. It's like nonstop. Well, that's the nothing matters thing. So like if you tell yourself you're chill enough, you really do start to believe it. Oh, right? no, no. Now I'm I am chill. Like the older that I've gotten, the more chill I've gotten become, the more chill I've become. But there's still those things like sometimes that when it's outside of your force, it still affects you. Yeah. You know? I do think, though, if you have an active issue, whatever it is, if you just tell yourself over and over again, what at first seems like a lie, like I'm relaxed or I'm not like you have to wait because you got weird cells and the doctor's like, you'll find out in two weeks. Mm-hmm. You can tell yourself for those two weeks, fuck, 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 fuck. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. You can do that. And maybe you are going to die, <laughs> honestly, but it doesn't serve you. So it's better to delude yourself or maybe you will be fine. But you have a choice. I can spend the next two weeks saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And that's my natural instinct. That's where my brain goes. Or I can spend the next two weeks being like, it's fine. It's probably fine. I'm going to go have this meal I love at this place. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have a drink. I'm going to go, I'm going to pet my dog. I'm going to, we're going to spoon. It's going to be great. I'm going to watch my favorite TV show, whatever it is. And make an active choice to constantly tell myself I'm fine because maybe I'm not fine. So maybe it's a lie. Maybe I'm deluding myself, but it's those two weeks. I still have to live the best life I can live. And the best life I can live is telling myself I'm fine. I'm not serving myself. You're happy with the lie. Yeah. Or it's, or maybe it's not a lie though. You know what I mean? Maybe you start to believe something so much. Like if, if I, with comedy, I don't know how you are, but there are some lows where you're like, at least for me, I'm like, fuck me, I suck, I'm the worst person in the world. And I usually feel one way or the other after I get off stage. I'm usually like that, or I won't say it out loud, but I'll feel after I get off stage like, I'm fucking good at this shit. <laughs> and I like want to brush my shoulders off. I don't say it to other people because I think that's cocky and gross, but sometimes you I should f- do it once. Sometimes I feel pretty damn good. You should like do it at, at once, one time in your life, at least just once you get off the green room, you're just like, yeah, fucking killed it, bro. What's up? <laughs> just <laughs> start really just like big timing everyone. They'd be like, what the fuck happened to Jamie? Damn. Now I want to do that. I'd have to put on an Oscar worthy performance. Yeah. That would be great though. If you just mur- destroy the room, you just, just let it out a little bit. I think yeah. you deserve that. Yeah. But I do think that even when you don't, you have to lie to yourself a little bit to to get to the next stage. Like it might be a lie at first to say like I'm like an, I'm one of the best writers in Houston, let's say. 
But you keep telling yourself that for years until you are because you're working towards that goal in your head. You have to set expectations for yourself. And an expectation can start out as just an expectation. It's not a lie necessarily. It's just an expectation that you're not there yet. Well, it's it's about attainable expectations because once you set the bar so high and you don't reach it, then it hurts. Then but also you if you set it too low, you're really shitting on yourself and you're not giving yourself room to grow. No, but you are growing. Once you once you attain, attain that goal, you're like, oh, I did this. Maybe I'll set it I can do another one, thing. Yeah. yeah, it's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like once you complete something, then you can move on to another thing. And that gives you more confidence to do it because you've done it before. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I agree with that. I just think like you're calling like what you were saying is a lie with the health situation, whatever. It might not be. <laughs> But I just feel like you can only live like most of your life. You're just living up here in your head, you know, so you might as well make your head say whatever you want it to say. You're in control. I'm not trying to be delusional here. But like a little bit, because sometimes I feel like when you tell yourself the best things, like it's not always delusional. I'm not saying lie about like I don't have an alcohol problem or something serious, but I'm talking about some more like. I, the I don't ID. have flies in my house right but, now. No, not like that. Not <laughs> things that are physically, scientifically provable. But more like you, two people can go outside and one person can go outside and say, it's a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. And another person can go outside and say, like, it's, it's hot, it's gross, whatever. Yeah. Like, my mother, again, bougie, took... I come from a long line of negative people, sarcastic people. And that's my initial like way of looking at the world. I don't think I'm like, and I try to be kind and loving to people. Again, I think most comics would say I've been kind to them. I hope, I certainly hope so. I try to be kind to other human beings, but my brain goes negative. That's like the natural spin for me because of the way I was raised. Yeah. And like my bougie mother took my grandmother once to Italy, to Venice, a gorgeous place. Most people would die to go on a fancy trip like that. I was going to say, are you Italian? I'm not Italian. People think that I am. I'm, yeah, you I'm half do. Jewish, half Swedish. Okay, so yeah. I guess that makes Italian. For full, full 50-50. I guess it kind of looks Italian. <laughs> it does. Um, but my grandmother gets you know to this beautiful place with canals and palatial old European buildings, and she goes, it smells. Like, that was her initial view of the world now maybe it did smell kind of funny it's a bunch of water it's a bunch of canals people there's a weird trash system there you don't think about this shit when you think about venice but there's a weird trash system there so maybe it did fucking smell but you have a choice in life to go into a certain thing with an attitude of like i'm gonna make the best of this is i guess the point i'm making you're talking about ignoring the fact that it smells and focusing on the scenery on the architecture. And then you'll really start to believe it, right? Like you'll really start to believe it and live that way. Okay. Act like your shit doesn't smell. A little bit. <laughs> it's a survival tactic. It's survival. It is. It's just fake it till you make it. Basically. What, yeah. what good are you doing your yourself or anyone else to be like, I'm the worst. Then okay, what? So, so that's bad. Uh, no, you're totally right. That's a boo bad. fucking who for you. No, what I'm, what I try to do is take it from a realistic standpoint, not a negative standpoint, but be realistic. It's like, hey, I, I live in a studio apartment. You know, I don't have a car. So I have to bike everywhere. Like I, I, I take it from that angle because I've been negative for most of my life. But I'm talking about then you take those things and some people I don't think this is you, but I think some people would be like, 
oh, I have to bike everywhere because I don't have a car. Fuck me. Life is fucked. I'm never going to get what I want. So I'm just not even going to try anymore. And boo hoo, woe is me. It's just a different. Yes. I was raised by a boomer who was like, again, it's no one wants to hear this from me because I'm not likable because I was raised with privilege. But I didn't get I didn't have love. So I didn't have. My mother was not someone that's like, you're a princess. You can have whatever you want or be whatever you want. She was like, buck the fuck up, buttercup. Nobody cares what you're thinking or feeling. So stop complaining. You have these material things. You have enough. So stop complaining. So did that, do you feel like that didn't help you in life though? That mentality? So that's an interesting question. That's an interesting question. I think that, who had the best uh, parenting technique was someone who was more like my husband's mother. She is amazing. So she had the same buck up buttercup attitude. Like if my husband ever got sick when he was a little boy, he couldn't stay home and watch cartoons all day and eat popsicles. And his mom was like, okay, you can stay home from school if you're really sick. You can stay home from school, but you stay in your room, you stay in your bed, you don't do anything. You don't get to have treats. You don't get to watch cartoons. And his mom was like a single mom. She worked her her ass off. You know, he was able to do like after school sports and shit because she coached the teams. I go on tangents. But the point is, he also had love. So she was like, you can stay home from school and, you know, but you can't do all these things. But I love you. And let me give you a hug. And again, let me rub the Vicks Vapor Rub on your chest back. It all comes back to that. But um, full circle. So I think it's good to have buck up buttercup, but also have someone who genuinely loves you and to tell, tells you to love yourself. That shows I, you love and yeah. affection. So buck yeah. up buttercup because you're great. And I like my, that's my husband doesn't let me get away with bullshit. He's like, I'm not going to feel sorry for you. Work harder. If you want to be funnier, write more jokes. If you want to be funnier, work harder. Do go out to more mics. Do more. I like I because like I believe in you because I love yeah. you because you're great. And I know how smart you are yeah. when we have conversations. I am like, you surprise me all the time. He's like, I hate to say this, but like you surprise me every day, <laughs> you know, he's and which sounds harsh. But it he does, also says, yeah. but I because he expects a lot of me because he believes I can reach that yeah. potential. Whereas my mother was like, you're a piece of shit. Stop complaining. So see the difference? Yeah, I see that. It's still buck up buttercup, but it's like because you can do more. Yeah, from from a way of love. Yeah, that's yeah. the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing. It's like all in how you present it. And you've been really good at picking out those nuances in the things I'm saying and say like, yeah, this, but pair it back a little bit. I always go into things with like such passion and you're like, I see what you're saying, but like bring it, bring it down two notches and that's more realistic. And I think you, you have the right balance. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's, I've been through a lot in my life. I've done a lot of dumb things and I like, I just have to realize it's like I was delusional for a minute. And the reason why I was delusional is because of the way I grew up, because of the way my mom, my mom gave me a whole bunch of love. She gave me a lot of love, but I feel like it was, too much if that makes any sense oh for sure My it wasn't has that. yeah it's, it's, <laughs> she always told me that i was gonna be great that i was gonna do big things this this and that and when it never happened i was just like well why i'm supposed to be great i'm supposed to be amazing i'm supposed to be this you know entrepreneur this this i don't know 
it's Warren Buffett type guy. I don't know. It's just I'm supposed to be do, I'm supposed to do something big, but it just never happened. And then now I had to realize it's like, oh, it's me. I'm not working hard enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm at a, I'm not at the right place. I haven't put myself in a position to be that person that I want to be. As long as you don't sink into it, you stay realistic as opposed to <laughs> negative, like you said, then I think it's fine. But I do think it can be a little harmful when you have a really loving parent. Like my husband makes fun of me, says I'm a trust fund baby. And it's so <laughs> unlikable, um, which and not to a crazy extent, but like I get the point he's making. He didn't grow up that way. But I point back at him and I'm like, you're a love fun baby. He was told he could, he didn't have the funds to do the things I did growing up. He didn't have private school, but he like had, he had all the love in the world to the point where, like you said, with your mother, it's same thing with his mom. My son can do no wrong. He's going to be the, he's, he can be anything he wants to be. He's amazing. He's perfect. And then you have a really hard time when you're not perfect. Yeah. Because you did get so much love, which is wonderful. But it can make you a little delusional. I know, but uh, but like uh, my dad wasn't that way. He was the opposite. He would give us no love. He wouldn't hug me. He wouldn't tell me that he loved me. The only time he would be nice or give me like kindness and stuff like that was when he was drunk late at night. That's the I only love time. Love you drunk. That's a, I mean that's yeah, rare. Though. That's the opposite. It's the opposite. Yeah, yeah like, like it was it was crazy. Like he, whenever he was sober, he was always angry and mean. But then when he would come home at night, I was like, I love you, mijo. Man, that I is, I feel like most people, it's the opposite. Their aggression comes out when they're drunk. <clears throat> yeah, it happens with me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I I am a pretty happy, I'm a pretty happy drunk, but I just don't like to use it to get happy. So I always like, if I'm having a really bad day, I'll actually try to avoid drinking because I'm like, I don't want to use this to get happy. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. I just try to drink because when I'm already happy or if I'm already having Trying a Trying to enhance day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And shut up a little bit because I talk a lot. By the way, how long have we been going? I feel like we've been talking uh, for like two hours. An hour and 20 minutes. Man, sorry. No, this is whenever you're having a great conversation with somebody, it feels like five minutes. Uh, yeah. It's just not, there's nothing. I just, all the conversations that I have with people feel so quick. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I feel like with you, like, you kind of understand yourself now, like, more often than, than before when you were younger. Mm-hmm. You understand, like, your flaws. You understand certain things that you feel like annoy you when you're talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. But, like, do you want to change it or do you just want to accept it and just be like, okay, this is how I am? Both. So I think that it's, it, I think it's one of those things where, I acknowledge it. I want to I want to get better with it, but I also want to give myself like some love and be like I cuz I can really shit on myself. It can overtake my whole day where that I wake up in the morning and I'm like it it's not conducive to me getting better about it to just like dog myself on it all the time and I can really fall into that. So I don't accept it. But I, like, give myself patience of, like, this is probably going to take a while to fix and change. Like, my New Year's resolution, no joke. The listen thing that you said, my New Year's resolution every year, it's not been, like, go to the gym, do this. It has been shut the fuck up more and listen more. And I've been wildly unsuccessful with that, I feel like. And... I know this sounds crazy meeting me now, but I used to be even worse. So it's not been totally unsuccessful. Me too. I was way worse before. Yeah. So I think I just, I do want to change it, but I also want to enjoy life now. 
and not hate myself now because I'm young. I have a lot of life left to live and I don't want to spend these years hating myself. I don't want to do it. I mean, yeah, I feel like you're doing everything the right way. I mean, because like you, you've been working really hard into getting into the entertainment industry. And like, so what's what's your purpose? Like, why do you do it? Why did you want to start stand up? Like, did you feel like just because you didn't get the approval, the attention, approbation? Like, you're just like, I want to get that now. There's so many parts of it, but I really think I just love the feeling of taking this is why I love people's personal stuff. I love the feeling of whether I relate to some individual person's exact thing or not. I want to make people laugh. I want to be funny because it's the best fucking feeling in the world. I remember being little, like my eyelids stinging watching the three stooges at night. Like the feeling that I had watching that silly goofiness slapstick, you know, I was like five or something, Mm -hmm. but that feeling is the best feeling in the world. It carries you through so much, which is why I hate when people are like, you can't joke about this subject. You can't joke about that subject. Like I remember, I think it was Liz Mealy. She did, she had some rape joke, some sexual assault joke or something like that. Mm. And a bunch of people on Instagram in the comments were like, you can't joke about this. I was sexually assaulted. It's like, you can't make fun of their thing. It's like, this isn't fucking about you. And by the way, she told this joke and I'm also like, in this case, I'm not the comic. I'm an, I'm basically the digital audience member taking that joke in and it made me laugh and it made me feel so I've every woman you talk to has probably had some kind of assault so I've had stuff happen in life that was shitty and seeing a sexual assault joke takes the power away from it it makes me feel better it makes me take that dark thing and and like take the tension away I like I'm not a sweet shit under the rug person like my mother was let's talk about it let's get real about it let's laugh at it let's be sarcastic let's take the power away from it so like I I just want to be able to be as good as people like Liz is with that joke or Rosebud Baker talking about her sister drowning in a hot tub and making it funny that bitch is funny as hell and I want to get to that level of of comedy and I'm not there yet but I want to get to that level of skill where I can make people feel tense about a subject and then release that tension and make them feel I want to make people in a room feel like not only laugh but like ah like you know everybody gets what I'm talking about everybody feels that same feeling at the same time it's magical it's addictive finally somebody said it's addictive Yeah, yeah it's like an addictive thing to create that in a space and I want to be that kind of artist I like that though. I like. I'm not a feeling type of guy. I don't want to make people <laughs> feel a certain. I want them to think. I like it. I like when I make people think. When I make people ask questions about themselves, their lives, and stuff like that. That's that's the difference for me. So I used to feel that way more. I think the issue, the problem with me, why I can't do that as much, is because I used to be really obsessed with seeming intellectual pseudo intellectual like listen to the books i read listen, here's why i love dostoevsky here's have you here's why i love yeah seriously like you know this like have you read solzhenitsyn let's talk about so the thing know, about critical race theory is well i'm not you won't catch me talking about any of that newfangled <laughs> shit i don't want to get canceled but um you know talking about history talking about you know science talking about what books i'm reading and i sometimes i found myself like wanting to be clever more than funny and prioritizing 
seeming clever. And I think that's important. But someone like Jessica Curson has really taught me to embrace silliness, to embrace not everything has to be clever. And like sometimes people like they get off work, like people that come to see her, not Mm -hmm. so much. I'm not at this level yet, but they pay for a ticket. They're getting a babysitter. They may have like worked in a hard job all week. They don't need you to prove that you went to Vassar. All right. They don't need you to prove that you you're so smart. Clap, clap, clap. You can be thoughtful and talk about subjects. I just think that some comics go too far into trying to seem so deep and smart. But you, you, you just hit the nail on the head. So many people want to seem intellectual, want to seem like they have a good point of view and stuff like that. Nobody cares. Like the best thing you can do is have that smart point of view, have that idea that you have and say it in a way that everybody understands it. You don't have to use big words. Yes. So it's the same thing with the uh, dark subjects, making them light, taking the tension out. Also making the complicated subjects relatable. Exactly. So if you're doing some reference about Napoleon Bonaparte's third cousin who was in this battle in 1780, no one gives a fuck. That you know whoa, that whoa, fact. Augusta. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> no, but like... seriously, truly, nobody. I we're impressed, I guess, but I didn't, you know, pay for this ticket and come out here to learn some shit, to, oh, or to just like <laughs> clap for you for being smarter than me. I, I mean, read a book. <laughs> it's like good. Jo- I do think you can be relatable and clever, but again, it's. I mean, I'm I'm the same. Like that's how I am now. I I I am very embarrassed. Uh, when people talk to me and I want to seem smart, I want to seem intellectual. I know when I'm doing it. I catch myself. Oh, man, I'll I, say I read this book. I'm like, no, I didn't. I listened <laughs> on Audible in my car and everyone knows it. I haven't read a book in eight is, years. Because the thing is, when you say I read a book, it makes you seem smarter than going like, oh, I listened to this Audible the other day. Yeah. Like, it just sounds more prestige for some reason. It does. It's so silly. We shouldn't give a shit about. But we do. We do because yeah. we want to be seen that way. Yeah. And like, I, I do it because ever since I was a kid i was i was one of the smart kids in the class but people used to come up to me and asking me questions like hey what's the answer to this what's the answer to that and i got so tired of it that i started acting dumb i was just like every time hey what's the answer to number two i was like i don't know hey what's uh what's the circumference of the earth i don't know like every question so as i got older i just got used to acting dumb yeah, and you want to release like your not normal self. Now. Exactly, the real guy that I actually am, the intellectual, the guy that, that does read, that listens to audibles. How how long have you been doing comedy now? Uh, about four years. Okay, so I think we're both pretty much in a stage where like we unfortunately like we're not our fully formed comic selves yet. <laughs> None of us. So are, yeah. unfortunately, I think that we have to be okay with taking risks and failing. Well, like, t- take take a guy like uh, Enrique. Enrique is hilarious, but he's not who he's going to be five, ten years from now. Just because he's funny right now, that isn't who, he's not going to stay like that. I'd say, yeah. I, well, no, I, he. I, I like. I can see it now. It's uh, all the stuff that uh, the jokes that he has are the first year, second year stuff that he's written. It's like you could tell when it's going from surface level to how we actually perceives everything what's his actual point yeah, of view that's what i like the best like i think enrique is opposite of me with like i think he started with the good delivery and i think his big improvement over what the time i've seen him has been the jokes i've seen out of him 
because he's always been like you know energetic charismatic he gets on stage what's up motherfuckers and you just want to like have fun with him so i'm definitely me and him we work opposite so i'm a better joke writer than i am a performer he's a better performer than he is a joke writer and we've been working together on the jokes he's been telling me stuff about how to perform and i've been helping him with the structure yeah. So I feel like he's gotten a lot better because he's understanding the structure of the jokes and then he's making it seem like he's making it, turning it into his voice. Yeah. He's I taking see. the words that he reads and he's saying it how he wants to say it instead of actually reading something. I mean, I think that we're even like we're just in that, we're all in that improvement stage, whether we have more of like, you know, whatever delivery, we want to be more clever. We want to be more dark and still be able to keep both those things funny or relatable. He might have more of like, he already has the delivery down pat, whatever it is, but I just working on the jokes. I could see people in our stage of comedy wanting to give up because, Oh, I'm not perfect yet. It's like, I'm going to be honest. I was really close to giving up like a month ago. Oh, I think so many of us go through that, but I think like the difference between the people who succeed on a, by succeed, I don't mean, uh, unfortunately, I, a lot of the funniest people don't succeed business wise. So I'm not talking about succeed and being funny because there are a lot of funny people that deserve more accolades and a lot of unfunny that people never that get, get the, them. Yeah. But I do think the difference in character is, are you going to have the resilience to push through people shitting on you when you have a bad set or, you know, whatever it is, that's, that says who you are as a human being. I don't think it says who you are when you have success and everyone already loves you. The person you are is what you do when you fuck up and how you either choose to be like, well, I'm done now. And that's the kind of person you are. Or you choose to be like, everyone's laughing at me or nobody liked that. Or I really fucked that up. And you just, push through i think that's life though that's that's oh that's everything that's yeah. everything yeah. this is everything that you do is like you mess up and you either accept it move on or you just let it consume you mm-hmm. and i've heard a lot of our like comics that i'm sure we both look up to it's really nice to hear them say it say like People call me an overnight, like Tim Dillon, people are like, they call me an overnight success. I spent 10 years broke as shit in New York, like miserable. Nobody would, none of the like, you know, mainstream networks would give me anything. I did this by myself, this podcast, like, and now it's huge. So people are like, oh, overnight success, Tim Dillon. He's like, fuck no. no. There's a body of work behind it. Yeah. And it's like a dangerous thing for people that are at our stage to think like, well, we're just like local Houston garbage that are obsessed with this fly. <laughs> I saw your eyes. <laughs> I saw your eyes darting. Oh, but yeah, so I I think we're going in the right direction. We just have to be resilient, and it's it's so hard though, because like there's so many people that have come when I started that have been there, and then they just drop off. They just stop doing it, and some of these people were maybe better than you in certain aspects and you're just like why did they stop and i'm still doing it it's an imposter syndrome but you have yeah but you have to i mean again you can choose to focus on that you can choose to be jealous you can choose to be angry you can choose to be sad or you can just choose to be like that i'm not them i have to do what i do 
I just you can't compare yourself to people. You just can't do it. It's it's like a it's f- fucking maddening when you do. Yeah. And then when I see people do well, I genuinely I am very proud to say I'm genuinely at a point and I really I was always competitive with my siblings, but my husband and his sister were again from a loving household and when they see each other succeed, they're happy for each other genuinely. I've been with I've been part of their family now for years. So I see that and like I've learned from it and I'm so like I want to be that type of person. So I just feel like genuinely warm and fuzzy when I see people doing things. I'm just like, ugh, like, yes, I I genuinely feel excited, you know, and I think that it helps me be a better comic to to try and live up to the people that I respect. I mean, it's good that you found somebody that supports you that wants you to do better that understands that you are a great person that you're intelligent well i have no family like literally he's the only one like so it's a little scary when it's a partner like that because if it if something goes south with us like that's it i don't have any we are having this party in june and my friend some friends are coming but like it's all his family i have no family so i think the universe it's fucking depressing it's a little scary but i i I'm at a point where I'm like good with me. Like I said, I, I like myself enough where like being alone doesn't scare me like it used to as much. So I think the biggest thing is that you, I, there's so many similarities between me and you because even though I have all this family, I have felt alone most of my life. Yeah. Well, you know, I told you my family's huge, but yeah. we're not. Yeah. The connection isn't there. With your husband's family. Do you feel that there's a connection there? So with with not just him, but also his little sister, like she's an amazing person. Like I would say she's not just my now related through marriage. Like she's not just my sister-in-law. She's legitimately my friend. She's one of my best friends. I adore her and respect her. And she, I think her like love for me got like, um, deeper and like more long-term when she had kids and she saw the kind of aunt I am to her kids. So like I, great aunt. I was late because I was babysitting and I'm about to go back after this. I'm going to go back and help my mother-in-law cause they're, um, they're out of town. So I'm babysitting, but like she knows I'll always be there for her children and she already loved me and we already were good friends. And then I think like seeing the aunt that I am made that deeper but they're just amazing, like loving, genuine human beings. I love her husband, who's like the nicest guy. He's like the kind I always felt protective of her because she's a year younger than me, <laughs> like kind of like a sister to me. Yeah. So you, she was dating some weirdos for a while. She's a total babe. I was like, who are these guys? <laughs> but this is like the guy you want your sister to marry. He's he's a, an amazing father. He's an amazing person. So, but I think the universe was kind of like, and I don't believe in like hippy dippy shit. I'm not like a crystals, Pisces. Like you don't believe in karma. I, n- not really. Nah, I think a lot of wow. a lot of shitty people don't get theirs. Um, but I, so I don't believe in all that. A lot of like twenty year old girls. That's another thing I don't relate to with like these young girls, like the stars, and I'm a Taurus with the moon rising or whatever the fuck, and I'm a witch, and I have crystals in my pussy, and I don't, <laughs> I don't know what all this stuff is but i do kind of think that the universe was like you everything else is shitty but here's this guy who's like he's not a romantic he's not lovey-dovey he's not you're my queen he would never post shit like that he's like very practical rational guy Mm -hmm. Uh, he would say i don't need you i want you 
you know, that's the difference. He's like, I'm choosing to be with you every day. He's like, and love is conditional. You can't just be a fucking, well, I guess love isn't, but like is conditional. No, I think love is conditional. Yeah, love is conditional. So like, I'll always love you. Like, even if you cheated on me tomorrow, I'll love you, but we won't be together. Exactly. Like, that's the biggest thing that I've realized nowadays is because like, sure, you can love somebody so much, but if they keep messing up over and over and over again, you get to a point because you're a human being. Yeah, for so your you own. You get health. to a point where you just have to be like, I can't be with this a person, million percent. even though I love them so much, even though I want them to get better and this, this, and that. I can't be with them because it's ruining my life. Well, like I said, he has high standards for me, so he's <laughs> like, don't make excuses. You, if if you you know have this this or that issue, or you want to be funnier, a better comic, then get the fuck out there write more do more and so like he loves me but it's not like how i don't know some some men are like you know i'll give you anything and you're the you know he expects he i think oh, it's a God. deeper love because he ex- that just embarrasses he me because expects I, I, a lot i've told a girl that before you've got to cut that <laughs> shit out jesus christ are you dating are you doing the apps i'm doing the apps i'm, I'm trying to cut down on the bullshit because i can't what apps I, are you on i'm on hinge tinder please can Bumble. we bust out your can we bust out one of your things oh my god we yes, gotta bust it out please i don't think so what gonna, it, what is hi- like hinge it. is like you know the person already uh, through someone no hinge uh it's kind of like tinder but more relationship for, Focused more on relationships than hookups. So than Tinder hookups. is more. Uh, that was how it was when I was single. Tinder yes. was more hookups. Okay, so you want to see my profile? I want to see your profile, and I want to see like, can I? Can we read messages? Okay. I don't have. Oh, any. you can have it. You have an audio thing. That's a nice picture. I yes. I approve of the photo. Looking very dapper. Okay, everyone who's listening, they got some nice facial hair. Really nice, like. Like the hair is is on point in my, this photo. My hair is my best feature. You're not smiling, but you look mysterious. Ooh. I like that. The okay, your baby photo is so cute. <laughs> that wins points for sure. I feel like so above this, you put my life peaked when, and then it's a baby photo of you. That's you got to be more positive than that. It's you, a joke. Y- well, yeah. Do you feel like that's a huge thing in messages? Do you feel like if someone doesn't have a sense of humor or know when you're being sarcastic, you're like, no, or are yes. you still okay? Yes. If they can't understand my humor, I can't be with them. So that means, but you're looking more for a relationship then. I was like, yeah. come on, be honest. You still hook up with a girl who's like, I was, what? I, I mean, don't get it. I mean, if you want to look at the person that liked my pose, and that's the <laughs> that's the type of person. But <laughs> don't judge me. What I'm thinking every time when I buy both. Okay, I like the sense of humor in the baking soda TikTok video. I didn't know yeah. you. This is fancier than when I was on here. You can post all these videos and audio things. They, they just started doing it like a year ago. Yeah. All right. I think you would. I think you did an amazing job choosing your photos and videos it's a little you have the jokey video it's a little serious in the hardworking. it's a it's a little intense but i think it balances <laughs> okay with the jokey photos and videos okay cool there's a balance that's all that's right all and then conversations like what's your opening line <laughs> okay so that's uh, i am a terrible text at texting i'm terrible i'm horrible i can't text I mean, if you want to do, uh, you so, just say hi. So, if you want to read this one, she, this is girl. I don't want to say her name, but yeah, we won't say she her talked name. about. Let's see, uh, best travel story: being locked in a pub in Ireland after they were supposed to be closed early. Damn COVID! 
the locals all gathered around and sang local folk songs. So what I messaged her was, being locked in a pub in Ireland sounds really, really fun. Uh, laughing face. I let. So I was just going to say, I think you did the perfect thing. But I hate lines. I hate fake lines. I think that you have to take something from there stories because women just want to be heard yes right you just take something from their stories and feed it back to them yes but she hasn't responded this was when it tells you the time oh yeah i think this is a no-go for you that's what okay so that keeps happening i keep uh you know sending them comments or and stuff like that but no response you want me to be brutally honest that the truth is women i don't care who you are i don't care what you look like I, I did the apps back in the day when we were broken up in 2013. So I was on there for probably six months. And I will say all the women I spoke have ever spoken with that do these apps are inundated. Like they'll go to work for eight hours. They get off of work and they look at their messages and it's like a lot. So like you're kind of, dr- unfortunately, it's a bit of a numbers game. Yeah. So what I would say is just like anything else, like the resilience with stand up, the resilience with this shit, like this is a totally different situation because she's older. But my mother in law, we're trying to get her to date. She's a total fucking babe. My my husband's mom is a hot mom like yours, like Uh hot. And she needs to be dating. Okay, What's her number? Um, Honestly. (laughs) So she's in she's in Arizona. But when she was in Houston, we're like, we're we're doing one of these. We're doing a bumble for you. And she just like won't be vulnerable and put herself out there because she has it's opposite for women. It's less of no interaction. It's more of a bad interaction or not even bad, but like she's just not into it. Uh huh. And then so she just gives up. Unfortunately, that shit, the beauty of online dating, I think it's extremely efficient. You get a lot. You get a lot more like reps in (laughs) like you're going to the gym or something. But you also have a lot more failure with a lot more reps comes a lot more failure. And you have to just like be willing to still put yourself out there because eventually I've been on so many bad dates. Yeah, but we all so if we all you're not special. We've all been on fucking bad. No, 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 I'm saying it's been more the dates that I've been on have been more bad than have been good. So it's kind of like making me stay away from it a little bit. You don't even just have fun, even if you're like, this isn't the person, but I'm here anyway. I might as well enjoy dinner. I think it's because I put so many expectations on what's happening instead of just being in the moment and talking to the person. Well, there you go. Uh, but here, uh, this, when you met your husband, did you have any expectations? Yeah, again, I think it's a little different because we were 20 and 21. We were babies and I was so nervous. I was so much less sure of myself. But I knew that the beauty of that, and this is a little bit crazy because it was so long ago that this is so embarrassing. We started talking on MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> we started talking on MySpace. You just dated yourself right oh there. Oh, my God. Old as shit. <laughs> Facebook had started to be a thing, but we spoke. I I was really picky. Did you have banners and stuff, too? And, well, he, I had banners. I had all that shit. And I, I friended him out of nowhere. I almost never did that. It obviously wasn't like a dating Oh, site. you were the one initiated. I initiated because I was like, I thought he was hot. I mean, bleach tips, puka shell necklaces. Who wouldn't have that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was like, I need oh to talk God. to this guy. He's probably a member of the Backstreet Boys. I was super into it. Oh, my God. And but young Jamie. he was okay. resilient as hell because we spoke, interacted, and then we would talk 
once every few months. Mm-hmm. We didn't meet for years. I, I, we, we spoke once every few months. We were definitely game playing. He asked me out a few times, but I was like, I always was aware of my safety, even back then. Were you playing hard to get? A little bit, but I was also, it was literally like a safety thing. I was like, this could be a 90-year-old man behind the screen that stole someone's pictures. I don't fucking know. Because it's online, yeah. So I was getting the what I needed as a woman and the type of, you have talked to me for a while, it's obvious now, attention. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted. And I was having fun flirting. And I was like, I'm never going to meet this person because who knows who it really is, right? So I, I'm talking, and not a lot. I'm talking every once every few months, we write a long thing to each other. and But he's... Got my same dark sense of humor. He's saying fucked up shit that I would say and we're both laughing at it. So I'm like, okay, I think this is probably like a a cool, normal guy because he gets my sense of humor and he's not saying creepy. He's not going overly sexual. He's not, you know, he's flirting, but he's like not making me feel uncomfortable. Right. So we're talking and I'm just having fun talking. I'm getting what I need. I'm getting my attention, my my flirting, whatever. And I'm in the meantime, we're not together. I'm like dating in real life. But this is online. I don't fucking know. So I go on my study abroad. I come back from my study abroad and it's the middle of the semester. So I have to move in with this girl, random girl. I don't know. I'm like gushing about this guy one day. I'm like, oh, this guy, his name is Jeremy. I don't I don't know how you say his last name with this or that. She was like, oh, I know that guy was best friends with his cousin in high school. Are you serious? (gasps) She was like, he's a total. He is who he says he is. Yeah. I showed the photo. She's like, yeah, that's him. So I was like, okay, you've had like, you've been verified, you know, like this girl, <laughs> this girl, like that's told me it's legit back in the day. Yeah. This is that's, your blue check mark. That's funny. That, it is, that could right? be a joke. Yeah. So like we had to do, this is how like us old timers had to do verification. Yeah. So it was By like asking a friend. Yeah. yeah it's that's, like a background check. Yeah, that's old funny. school, old timey background check. What would the verification have been like back in the 1800s? Like I'm going to send you a hand, a, portrait that was like you know painted by one of the great whatever he like makes he takes the mole off your face he like no i i was very lucky in that it just was random i moved in with this girl i didn't even know and so i remember the message to him after we exchanged i finally gave him my phone number i'd never given him my phone number um he gave me his i remember calling and leaving a voicemail saying like never tell anyone we met on myspace (laughs) yes i'll go out with you i'll go out with you but only to a lunch even then i was like skeptical right so i was like we can go to a casual lunch and like it was such an amazing Uh, first date talking that then i like well i like that you were putting these boundaries on it too and you were being safe and you were being young so i wasn't like super but you you were being smart but you were being very smart about it because you don't know this person it's the internet it could be some 90 year old man like you said so you have to put these blocks in order to make sure like oh does is he really interested or does he just want to talk to me and i would do all those same kind of same things years later so that was 2007 Years later in 2013, when we broke up, I kind of set the same boundary rules. Like, you don't pick me up. I'll go meet you somewhere for a date when I was doing Tinder and Bumble and all that shit. That's smart. Yeah, I was like, I'll meet you somewhere. The first date is always to get a vibe. So it's always casual coffee or something, you know, where it's like can be fast and never a dinner or like whatever. So I had all these rules in my head because I'm psychotic, but remember <laughs> that women are also if you're being empathetic when you're going on dates, you said you went on a lot of bad dates. Well, so have these women. Yeah. So their guards are up too. So like 
if you just go in knowing that and decide you're going to have fun, even if you're not a match, like, and you just decide, like, I'm going to treat this like my podcast recording. I'm going to go have fun. I'm going to shoot the shit. And, like, there's nothing more attractive than that. That's how I am now. That's yeah. that's how I think about dating and, and meeting people now. Back back in the day, I used to be like, well, I'm going to meet a girl. We're going to get together. We're going to have, you know, this, this, and that. Maybe it might get more serious. Like, I just nowadays, I don't really think about that anymore. I'm just trying to have a good conversation with whoever I'm with. Well, and it, women are problematic, too, because we put all these, like, Oh, just, uh, we put all these lists together of they have to have this, they have to have that. If I stuck to some list, I would never have, I'd never be with my husband. Like you, people are imperfect. It doesn't you mean you don't have expectations, yeah. but like you have to just, I don't know. It's so, it's tough. You have to compromise. Yeah. You have to are compromise. Are you dating, are most of the women you date like mid twenties? They're around my age. Yeah. Mid twenties, early, tw- uh, late twenties, something like that. Yeah. So like. Then there's also pressure as women, especially for women. Maybe men feel this too. You could tell me, but like, there's this pressure that you're supposed to like find the one. It's like very. There's so much pressure on women. I feel like sometimes, especially the ones that want a traditional white picket fence, get married, have have two kids. Well, it's a for me, it's a cultural thing because I am Mexican, and my mom keeps asking me like, "When are you gonna have kids? When what when are you gonna find?" There's a lot of pressure from my mom. There's a lot of things that she wants me to do, but. uh I'm also American and in America you have that mentality just like go out and have fun. It doesn't really matter. You it's can- way more even we're only <laughs> what I think five years difference. You and I five, what, about five, six. So yeah. we're five, six years difference. And just in that short amount of time, I, I think in 2013, it was a huge shock to me when I was younger, like the just it's such a different world with the swiping. So, like, there was a little bit more of men. Men have always been dogs, but. Hell yeah. <laughs> and they've, oh, God. Good God. <laughs> this became a totally different kind of podcast now. Jesus. But, like, it, it is. T- maybe it has always been this way and I'm just naive as a woman. But I do feel like there's the this whole new world, especially with women. There's a new acceptance of, like, anti-slut shaming. I. I can be sexually free. I can be a sexually being. That's part of who I am because that's part of whoever human is. It's totally natural. I want to just have fun too. I don't need to settle down, lean in, boss bitch. I'm a girl boss, whatever. And I'm I'm using a voice when I say that because it's a little annoying, but it's also great. So like, I think that there's good and bad that comes with that. And the bad is it can be harder for a romantic or someone who wants to settle down or have something more serious to find that out there. Yeah. Because there's so much of, you know, I just want to fuck around and have fun. But also, I get that. I mean, my husband and I talk about it all the time. Like, we probably would, neither of us were like, if we got divorced tomorrow, I don't think either of us would ever get married again. Maybe I'd be with someone because I'm a monogamist. That's just like in my nature, even when I was single. You would want to be dating somebody. But I would never get married. I just like, I get, and I I have no judgment of women who like just want to fuck around good for good for you i'm not religious i don't care go do you be you it's just not in my nature and then if it is in your nature to be more of a romantic like i am it can be it can feel really defeating to go out in a world where everybody's just fucking around yeah Yeah. i I can see that i mean but like it can be fun too. have fun it's 
fun. It's crazy. There's good times. There's bad times. And I'm just trying to figure out who's a good person to hang around with, be cool with, just chill with. They they say you have to find your best friend, basically. Yeah. Also, like, you have to be physically compatible. That is important. You have to be, like, what, you do, what do you mean by physically compatible? So, like, you know, my husband and... Well, I don't want to get too TMI. Basically, like, you have to be a, into the same things. You have to be, like... I'm not talking about crazy, weird, kinky shit. You just, like, where it feels natural, comfortable... Like you, so, so that's, that's you're on the same wavelength sexually. sexually that is important. Yeah. So, that, but that's the, that's the harder thing when you're uh, doing one night stands or meeting strangers for the first time because oh, you don't know. That's why another reason I'm not into it. Like I'm totally selfish. Like I'm more likely. So there is some statistic out there. Like women on one night stands have an orgasm. Like it's like under twenty percent of the time. <laughs> Under 20% of the time. Yo, those numbers are low. And I'm a married woman. My husband knows my body through and through. I know his. And I'll tell you, like, even now, if he's had, like, a couple drinks, I'm like, ah, we'll just fuck tomorrow. I want lights on. I want sober. I want you to get to work. Do the things I like. I want you to be in it to win it. So, like, I don't understand one night stands because I'm like, if I want to not have an orgasm, I'll just do that on my yeah, own time. It's, it's always like uh, all the one night stands that I've had. It's like when I'm really drunk or I'm high and I'm just meeting the person for the first time and I'm anxious and nervous and stuff yeah, like that. And I'm trying fun. to figure out like what feels good for her. Well, on top of that, like let's say you're here, you, you come back to the bar with your date or from the bar with your date, you're here. Uh-huh. And then it's like an orgasm on average, lasts seven seconds. Again, I know all these like weird facts. So no, I love it. Orgasm lasts seven seconds. And then this stranger's in your space for 10 hours or whatever. And I have to deal with you. And I, I know that I'm physically attracted to you. So I said sexual attraction is important. But then all the other stuff is way more important. So we have the sexual compatibility. Let's say it was great sex. We had fun. For seven seconds, I had an orgasm. And now you're up in my fucking space for 10 hours. I'd rather not deal with it. So it can be a really hard thing to find all of the. I mean, but it sounds like you you got what you wanted. So now like, hey, we've completed this thing. It's I, not been easy. It's not. It's been. It's lot. You always have to work and grow together. No, Some no what I'm saying apart. is it, it sounds like you you once you completed the thing that you wanted was getting an orgasm. Not you like, hey, get out. I'm not a very. <laughs> so it's funny. Listen. <laughs> Listen, but I'm not rude. I don't want to be rude to people. So I, my choice I would usually make, if I was single tomorrow, there would be many nights where I'd be like, I mean, I might want to go flirt, but I would rather go home and take out my magic wand and just like, I don't want to be rude to someone and say leave. Yeah. So I just won't even invite you over. Like, well, because you know the statistics is like there's a 20% chance I'll have an orgasm. Well, and so. also to me, like I do like a deeper connection. I do. Uh, so maybe some women, it gives them what they want and it's fun. I'm just saying what works for me. What works for me doesn't work for everyone. Mm. So, I, But I'm just saying there are all these layers. I think dating is really tough and I feel, I remember doing it in 2013 and then a long time before that. But for the, whatever, nine months I was doing it, I was like, Jesus, this is like, 
this is exhausting. Yeah. I have to, it's, I'm giving up my time and energy on these messages or these things. And you feel like you've wasted your time. But if you view it again, differently, again, not being delusional, but being realistic and hopeful, like all of that is leading to whoever you do meet. Every, every negative date is leading to the good date with whoever the fuck Sarah, you know, like, it's, it sounds like you're describing bombing on stage. you got to bomb a lot to get good. Well, yeah, it's like us f- three, four years in, we're not the comic we want to be, but we will be. They're out there. We're also not They're, the person we were or the comic we were. Yeah, yeah. I'll be the I'll be the comic I want to be. It's with it's there. She's in, she's a future me. She's there. Yeah. So like. I feel like it's anything. So I feel like I'm really lucky in life. Like the one thing, I think everyone has their thing in life that that's worked out for them. For me, it's my, you know, romantic relationship, but my family relationships, you know, the comedy thing I'm still working at, like all these things are, I'm still working at. I just happen to, I feel like I, I'm able to talk about the relationship stuff with a little bit more authority. Cause I feel like we've spent so many years figuring it out that I feel like I'm like, I'm really good at being a, a good wife. Yeah. And I don't mean good wife in the 1950s. I do what you say sense. No, I'm talking about like an actual partner, you know, and I feel like I'm good at being a partner and I respect my person, you know. So if I can be as good of a comic as I am of a romantic partner or whatever, then like I know I'll be great. I just want to be resilient and keep on trying. And I think you have to do the same thing with dating. It sucks, but. You got to keep doing it. Yeah. I'm going to have to keep doing that. Uh, Your siblings have kids? My brother has a little girl, and my sister just told me the other day that she's pregnant. Oh, yay. Is it a good thing? Is she happy? She's happy. Okay, good. She's yay. happy. I was kind of like, are you sure? <laughs> well, is your mom happy? I think my mom's happy. Yeah. yeah she's happy. Yeah, it's it's a is good thing. Is your dad passed away? No, he's still alive. Oh, he is. Okay. For some reason, I thought you were in the Dead Dads Club with me. No, I'm. I don't want to say anything now. Okay. Yeah. It's like don't, don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't. Sorry, I shouldn't have brought it up. I shouldn't have brought it. Up. Not Conwood. There's so many comics that are in the Dead Dad Dead Dads Club with me that I just assume everyone's dad is dead now. I'm like, Jesus. Uh, once, it, once it does happen, I'll send you a text. Okay, cool, 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 cool. cool. We can have, like, hey, I'm in the club now. Woo. You can get. We'll give you your members only jacket with your with your name on it. <sighs> <laughs> See, sad shit can be funny. Oh, oh that was good. <laughs> that was funny. But uh, do you have any like Instagram, Twitter? Yes, 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 yes. So please. Please, please, please. First of all, your baby girl. It's your baby's first improv. 428. April 28th. Baby's first improv. So please, please, please buy tickets to that. It's called Couples Therapy, that show. It's four comics doing relationship material and then a panel at the end where people can ask questions. So that'll be super fun, interactive show. And then the main thing I'm doing, I need to do more social media, but really follow me on just Instagram at the Jamie Rowan spelled not like the Mexican way. Jamie spelled J-A-M-I-E. So at T-H-E-J-A-M-I-E Rowan, R-O-W-A-N, at the Jamie Rowan and uh, Jamie Rowan comedy dot com where I have all my dates and I usually update it on time and you can buy tickets there. 
All right. And uh, you can always catch me at The Jocosity, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, have another show next next month, May 14th, I think. It's called Chill Bro. It's going to be at PJ's, 8 o'clock. Hope to see you there. And uh, it's been a minute. Yeah. <laughs>